Blog Talk Radio. Tonight's episode of Ready to Unload with Cal and San Pete is sponsored by Blue Haven NYC in Greenwich Village, New York City's sports bar for grown-ups. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. Welcome to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast, episode number 123. It is Thursday night. It is January the 3rd, 2013. It is 9.30 p.m. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. Coming to you live from Bayside, New York, Comac, New York, Freehold, New Jersey. Yes, New Jersey. Actually, he's in Manhattan tonight. It is Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. I am one of your hosts, Steve Pietro. And this is it, season four. Welcome. Happy New Year night, season four. Imagine. Can't believe we got here. Um, we have a huge show, huge show. We have Scott Salmon from uh, gangrenenation.com joining us to talk about the Jets and the media and the GM search and all that stuff. And what are they going to do with Tim Tebow and Mark Sanchez and why is Rex Ryan in the Bahamas, apparently on a surfboard, according to the Daily News uh, back page today. Um, so we're going to talk to Scott uh, about all that stuff, plus we're going to talk about the Mets uh, and Mike Piazza in the Hall of Fame. That's come up quite a bit. Oh boy, Cal has a dissertation ready for that one. Uh, we're going to talk about the NFL playoffs. Of course, we're going to touch on the Giants a little bit. Lots of things to get to. So uh, let's get right to it. Boogie, oogie, oogie. What? Why? Uh, Cal... Uh, Cal. my partner in thank you, my partner in crime, my partner in crime, my partner in all things sublime. Calniba Calpino, Caliente. Hi, Brian. Hi, Steve. Ooh, oh, make it hurt. Oh, oh boy, Happy New Year. Happy, you know what? Happy New Year. 2013. Yup. Season four. Season four of Ready to Unload. It's uh, how was your uh, your New Year's? Good, quiet. Yeah, well, that's what you do when you have kids. And you're old. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's it. I knew very well at uh, 11.35 you were probably struggling to stay awake. Your wife was long asleep. Not uh, not so much. Did she make it up? Yeah, we all made it up with the kids. Oh, the kids kids got in on this? Yeah, little little wee bowling kept them up. Sure, sure. And uh, and they got to watch the ball drop. Big big Ryan Seacrest fans too. Is kids. that right? They love him. Uh, the retrospective deal with uh, Dick Clark. A uh, little sad there. And then Jenny McCarthy. Wow. Boy. Oh boy. Yeah, a little much this year. Try to uh, sway the girls as far away as possible from thinking of Jenny McCarthy as really anything. Really no, try to yeah yeah or role model anything like that. She's just a blonde girl on TV. Yeah, they were confused by what well, they saw. Anna. So is Jenny McCarthy. 
She looked a little confused. She's been doing that, though, apparently for a couple of years. Is that correct? Uh, yes, and she's never been like this. This, no. was o- this was over the top. It looks like she had a few Chardonnays, perhaps. Over the top. But I have to tell you, we flipped back and forth between Ryan Seacrest and Carson Daly. Good old CD, yeah. And boy, if one is not a poor man's other, yeah. it's never more apparent than on New Year's Eve. Yeah, good old Carson looks like uh, maybe uh, maybe don't get cheese on that next Whopper, too, by the way. Yikes. Not yeah. that I'm one to talk, but... Well, it was nice. Now, what, what did you do on New Year's Eve? Not, oh, God, nothing. 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 No. All right. Absolutely. Teresa's been sick uh, for uh, 114 years now, it seems like. Uh, nasty bacterial uh, infection. That's lovely. Uh, so we didn't do anything. You know, she was asleep. Uh, I kept nudging her awake or whatever. Right. And uh, that was about it. We sat on the couch. We watched uh, a terrible movie. What did we watch? It wasn't love, actually. Although, guilty pleasure. Um... Oh, it was just awful. I can't remember. It was it was it wasn't an 80s movie even. It was like a 90s bad 90s movie. I can't even remember what it was. But anyway, nothing of consequence. Uh we're old. This is what happens now. This is what you do. Now we have a buddy of ours, our last single friend. Yes, what did she do? His his uh girlfriend who's a number of years younger than him. Got him tickets, got them tickets to go see Coldplay and Jay-Z. <laughs> of course. So there he, and so I I wonder if he knows that he's actually Hugh Grant in a movie now. <laughs> like, has he figured... <laughs> was he wearing a cardigan? At the right, we, were, we were joking that, like, uh, I was talking with his brother, and we were joking that uh, there's a good 12 years here between he and this girl. But she's not, like, a kid. She's, like, 27, 28. Well, that tells you about him. And, uh, right, he's doing a heck of a job. And uh, But we were joking about, like, him putting in earplugs, like... <laughs> But pretending that, no, they're for bass. They make the bass really sound awesome. Like, he's in a Hugh Grant movie. He's Hugh Grant in a Hugh Grant movie. He's, yeah. Minus you know? the accent. Right. Like, uh, yeah. We we need, what are we calling this? Midlife crisis or something? I don't know. <laughs> Young again? <laughs> mark. Simon Biggs was a normal guy. Until his wife left him. and And then we cue Megan Fox. Right. Right. I feel good. (laughs) Until one day, he met Josephine. And then you see him, he's like, he's rollerblading, (laughs) doing like spin classes. Right. Well, he he went skiing the other day with her. (laughs) Like, she took him skiing or whatever. No, he goes skiing, but I can envision, I envisioned him snowboarding or like trying to like do some ridiculous jump. (laughs) <laughs> but this, of course, makes him British, which we've also always wanted. Yeah. So he's sort of, uh, just sort of, oh, dear, we've done this, and we're going to do this. and Because Hugh Grant is always foppish. Like, he's always just unbelievably uncomfortable, and, oh, dear, we've done this. And, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, snowboarding. Right. Uh, my back. Yes. How to explain the pain. Uh, you're a very attractive, young, great. Uh <laughs> Hugh Grant and Megan Fox are midlife crisising this summer. Okay, anyway, that's what one of our buddies did. So, uh, he's, he's obviously, we're making fun of him because uh, we're jealous. We're jealous. Right. Uh, Here we are. On January 3rd, New Year 2013. Yeah. 
New night, Thursday night. Back to Thursday night. Football season is over, so... Hey, the network, regular season's over, obviously. The regular season. So the Thursday night games are over. Right. We're going back to Thursday. We're not good this year. No. Not, Not many games on Thursday night, which was the reason why we began taping on Tuesday nights for football, so we didn't miss, you know... Yeah. Miss the football game on Thursday night. We didn't really miss, you know... There weren't too many good ones. And I... As we talked about uh, before, I didn't like the Thursday night game every week. It's too much. The the concept of it? I'm feeling oversaturated. I think it failed. I think the Thursday night game failed. I think the product is lesser. I think the players clearly uh, are – how many injuries did we see on Thursday night games? I mean, you had a situation where the Ravens played like three games in like 16 days or something ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's – you know, they said, well, how much – there's never enough NFL. Yeah, yeah, There might be too much NFL. But you got to be careful oversaturating anything. Except that's right. Everything in moderation, Bri. Every, even football. Even football, which you would never think would escape your lips. Well, I just said it. I know. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're back, to, we're back to Thursday nights. We'll be on Thursday nights going forward. Uh, let's take care of a little business, and then we're going to bring in uh, Scott. I think he's going to call in in a couple of minutes. Uh, let's take care of a little biz first let's and do it. foremost. Go. Uh, this episode is brought to you by... I never know if you're asking me. <laughs> Good setup. I'm always uncomfortable. Should I answer him or? This episode, <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Blue Haven Sports Bar NYC on the corner of Houston and Thompson in New York City uh, for the playoffs. Bry, gotta go there. Big screens all over the place. Every game on Saturdays and Sundays. Great food. Uh, they have like 19 beers on tap. They have like 15 big screens. Uh, the place is awesome. It's a fantastic sports bar. It's a sports bar for grown-ups. That's what we've been saying. And it's true. And speaking of Blue Haven, our next live remote from Blue Haven is going to be either Thursday the 24th. Are we good? Thursday the 24th. It's good. Write it down. We're good. Uh, when uh, Thursday, January 24th, we'll be live from Blue Haven doing a remote there with a guest. I don't know who it's going to be. Very exciting. Maybe Dom DeLuise. Maybe Peter DeLuise. Since Dom DeLuise is dead. Can we get Peter DeLuise and just talk, and just talk Jump Street? Absolutely, yes. <laughs> You can get David DeLuise and talk Wizards of Waverly Place, too. We could. He Wasn't David DeLuise in Wayne's World as well? He might have been. As one of the uh, one of Wayne's crew. Anyway. One of the DeLuises. Go to www.bluehavennyc for details. Blue Haven Sports Bar for Grown Up. All right. Wow, that was some serious bids. Did you see how I faded there? Quick fade. That was nice. Terrible. Terrible. You would think the show is going unproduced. But it's not. It's not. Ah, yeah. <laughs> what? I don't know. Who what are you? <laughs> I remember you with quite a bit less melanin. Yeah, you're just, you're very, what was that? Soul Train? What's happening? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've been up for a long time. Hi. Hi. Uh, The Bishop Pop Culture PJ, uh, the third man in on the show. Hey, buddy, happy new year there. 
guy. Happy, happy new year to you and to Cal and to Nello. You're loopy. You're loopy. It's you know it's been a it's been a long stretch. <laughs> PJ is working on a, like three shows at once right now, Cal. As yeah, I, yes, three sh- actually three shows at once. It's uh, things are going to get one? screwed up. Counting this one, or does this one not even count? This is number four. <laughs> the nineteen you know, one is low on the last. I consider this a priority. I do. I'm here. Am I? Am I there, or am I here? I'm here. You're over here now. You I'm over good, here now. Uh, you gonna uh, have a good New Year's? Nice. We drank the sparkling apple cider together. Nice. The kids you, took right, power naps. <laughs> no, 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 no. The kids took power naps, and uh, you know we don't drink around the children. Right. You know we only smoke weed. And <laughs> good night, everybody. So, <laughs> so season three uh, of the year, we've just decided the hell with all the rules. There's no rules. Right. So we're getting a bleep button. Obviously, clearly, we're going to need uh, a, a bleep button for this season. Was that too much? Was that too PG thirteen? I'll back no, it off. No, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's good. Yeah, it's fine. We just lost. Wait three till the is in the Midwest, but that's fine. Right. Wait. Wait till the post show notes, if you ever. <laughs> Uh, they were up late. They were so happy. They were watching. They didn't know that the Disney Channel went past midnight. <laughs> right now they do. Did you just? Yeah, every- did you just reference Bill Cosby? You better not touch certain parts yeah. of your body <laughs> while you're on the football field. You better not touch. Cal, great, great. Uh, Peach, go grab the uh, the phone there if you would. Because uh, uh, Scott Salmon from GangGreenNation.com is calling in. Surely, go, go be a producer. All right, go get the phone. Go get the phone. <laughs> wow, and get me uh, a sandwich uh, while you're out. And can you, can you get the phone? We're doing a show. Can you grab the phone, please? Um, Cal, that is a bit from Bill Cosby. When I was a kid growing up, I had all these Bill Cosby records because my dad loved Bill Cosby. And uh, I used to listen to these comedy records. That's probably why I'm, you know, I'm so drawn to WTF or whatever. Like I'm a, I not a comedy nerd, but I grew up on those records. Bill Cosby. I had a, a Martin Mull record, which is magnificent. Um, my dad had a Newhart record. Inside the crazy world of Jonathan Winters, I had that record. But this Cosby, this one Cosby record, he does a whole. Obviously, it's 37 minutes or whatever as you know, on one story. About when he played football for Temple. Uh-huh. And they actually had one nationally televised game because Temple was terrible. And they came and talked to them. He was a running back. And they came and talked to them before the game and said, don't touch certain parts of your body while you're on the football field. Because the cameras were on. Right. You be- but it, he does this voice. You better not touch certain parts of your body while you're on the football field. So he gets the ball, first carry, <laughs> and he's going across the hole, and some guy comes up and hits me in the... You better not touch. And he goes, so the the button is, so I grabbed my head. <laughs> he goes, and they bandaged it, too, just to make sure, just to make it look good. I've been hit in the... You better not touch. Anyway, great bit. Tremendous bit. That's fine. We'll talk to uh, PJ later. He's actually, he is actually uh, working. 
Yes, I know. He's very busy, but he made some time for us, and we appreciate that. He's <laughs> wow, wow. Are you? That was very spokesmany for the show. Well, that's our stance. Right. Well, you know what? We could we could send you out. You know, for a press conference, say. Right. Like if we needed to speak for the organization. You could, but but after the show. But unfortunately, uh, you and I are are kind of partners in this, and I would just be taking all of your all of your criticism. That's true. And you would look extremely bad while you were on vacation, while that's, I was taking the hit. That's right. Yep. Yeah. I mean, but we could do that. You know. I mean, you should really have a press conference to explain yourself. <laughs> okay. We should. Good. Good setup, everybody. <laughs> all right. Let's welcome to the program, to the podcast. Uh, he is the managing editor of uh, GangreenNation.com on the SB Nation of blogs, and uh, we got a little cool, we got a little cool music for him. I was going to do something like really dark, but I decided to keep it light, nice. I think that's a uh, better decision. Yeah. Plus, I'm tired of. Worrying about having to pay people for other people's music, so we might as well just put a song PJ wrote on. <laughs> All right, enough, enough with the uh, the the pomp and circumstance. Let's welcome into the show Scott Salmon, Scott, uh, Steve San Pietro, Brian Calvi. Uh, welcome, man. Hi there, great to hear from you guys. Uh, the the theme music you're listening to is uh, is a little something of ours, and. Uh, <laughs> That's where I want to start because I saw on when you posted on the Gangry Nation that you were going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. I we're not used to uh, we're not used to having uh, comments made about us. Nobody nobody's really bothered us in the three years. And your you know your your yeah your site, which is great by the way, um, and you do a fantastic job. And we're going to get into all of that, like how you got into it and stuff like that. And and uh, uh, we talk a lot about. Uh, as I said, you know, new media and uh, blogging and stuff like that in sports, especially in this town, because it's a better read. Um, but I was I was frightened, Scott, of what comments what might be on there. And uh, the immediate one about the name of the show. Oh, there were some. They were the ones to make some jokes about. No offense. No, not at all. I I I uh, I didn't take offense. I was I was gonna post and clear it up, and I said, you know what? He's coming on the show. Nice. We'll talk to him. We'll, I'll 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 uh, tell if anybody's listening out there what why the show is called Ready to Unload. Um, is basically because uh, was in a band, had uh, our own music. We were afraid of having to pay somebody. Yeah. And uh, it was a song that we thought. Uh, it would be kind of cool when we when Brian and I started the show. We were really sort of pent up because we couldn't call into WFAN and yell at people, <laughs> and uh, we were really sort of annoyed with the whole system. So I had this song ready to unload. I said, "Hey, we'll do this." Uh, it's filthy. It is filthy. I get that, but um, I love you know, that. Actually, <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say when we um, I wasn't I wasn't with Gangry Nation yet, but when they were trying to come up with a name for it originally. The original, the original suggestion. I don't know if you're watching the draft when we took, um, I think it was what, Kyle Brady instead of uh, Warren oh, yeah. Sapp. Oh yeah. And you remember, you remember the chance we want Sapp. Yes. The original name, the original title for Gangrene Nation was originally going to be WeWantSapp.com. 
that's, that's great. Yeah, that's 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 tremendous. And you would definitely attract the diehards that oh, yeah. uh, have been with the team for a while. Well, Scott, welcome to the program. That's why it's called Ready to Unload. That song at the top mm-hmm. of the show is us. But um, welcome uh, into the podcast. Uh, we really want to jump right in. We're going to get to more about Gangrene Nation a little later. Okay. Uh, but Brian and I wanted to jump right in with the article that you wrote, uh, the post that you wrote yesterday, uh, to com. which, uh, can we slow clap? Maybe it's a slow clap. Maybe it's a... You know, I, I should tell you guys, I don't normally think about the comments that when you, you guys, when you just mentioned, normally when I make a post, uh, especially something like, a, like attacking, I guess attacking is the right word, someone like that, I know it's normally 50% of the people hate it. 50% of the people loved it. I don't think I've ever written anything that was as well-received as that one. Well, so. Scott, the thing with that with that article, and, and Steve kind of forwarded it to me yesterday and brought it to my attention, and I'm reading it, and as I'm reading it, we we, uh, we text back and forth all day long, just about, mm-hmm. about the Jets, about everything in sports, and literally, you know, 50 times a day. And as we're reading this article, I said to Steve, I said, you could pull up our chat archive. Mm-hmm. And literally, word for word, this is the stuff that we've been talking about for months. And the yeah. fact that the fact that you used your forum to to kind of bring it to the forefront was was really, I mean, it was just a terrific article, and, and we appreciate you writing it. We were too Last last I had checked, so we had to get there. Were, there were about I think it was like twenty five thousand or so people that had read it. Wow! And That's so insane. it's it's getting like the the whole topic. And then we were getting we were getting hundreds of responses on Twitter, and we had hundreds of comments on the on the on the post, and it's just it's really getting around. And so now it's it's I think it's to the whole it's the conversation's changing from the fans ver, uh, versus the Jets to the fans versus the me, uh, media. It's pretty incredible, actually. Yeah, I was just gonna say that's a, that's a great point too because yesterday was sort of a unique day. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, for the for the Jets and for fans and stuff like that, and and Brian and I talk a ton about how uh, Twitter, social media, blogs um, have changed the way we consume sports, uh, and and specifically for our teams, we're much more likely to go to your site or go to turn on the Jets dot com or the Jets blog or whatever uh, than we are to read papers anymore or go through mainstream media because um, uh, of of the fact that it's it's more geared towards. Uh, people who love their teams, and it's clear mm-hmm. that if there is criticism, it's coming from a place of uh, care. You know, it's mm-hmm. coming because because we are passionate about the Jets and we want to see them be good. It's not coming because we have an agenda for a narrative and we want to sell papers, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, to me, yesterday, and I wanted to get your impressions of this. Uh, to me, yesterday, it was fascinating because this whole Jet sort of blogger sphere. Community is starting to develop with with the people I just mentioned, and I find myself talking to these people over, over Twitter or whatever. We've had Joe Caparoso from Turn on the Jets on before. It's becoming like a nice little community. And yesterday, like you, like we were talking about this all morning. Like what you wrote, we were talking about all morning. And in fact, I had posted to Samini the day before. You know, I had tweeted at Samini. Of course, he never answers. I'm surprised. But um, I had tweeted at him that their reasoning for wanting the Jets to have this press conference was self-serving, and oh, they weren't yeah. they weren't being transparent themselves. Um, you know, you know, what, uh, what, you know what, I found, what I found incredible was that I think it was Kimberly Martin, 
Um, yeah. Had, she made she made some comment on Twitter that was like, the fans want answers, they demand answers, and the Jets aren't giving them to uh, giving them to them. And then I looked at her her mentions, the people that were writing to her about it, and not a single fan actually cared about whether or not they got an, they got answers. I got that moment. Like they'd rather see the team hire a new general manager and then hear rather than have a, a press conference where they're going to hear the same thing over and over. So they were trying to use the fans against the team, and the fans weren't having any of it. It was, it was. I thought it was fascinating that they, just, it, they, they were not on the same side. Yeah, it was, it was remarkable, Cal. Well, I think, I think for the first time yesterday, Scott, is the fans realized that they've been being pandered to by these guys all season, and they, what they try to do is they try to take the Jet fans' angst towards the team, and they feed it by being negative along with the fans. So the writers feel like the fans are with them, and the writers feel like, well, we're just getting you the information because that's our job. You want information. We're just trying to do what you want us to do. And yesterday, for, for whatever reason yesterday, I guess it, it just touched a nerve with the entire community, and it's like everybody kind of banded together and turned on the writers. And yeah, it was. It, I don't know. So I don't know if you heard that they filed a um, a couple of the beat reporters. I think it was yeah. Manish Mehta. He filed a complaint uh, through the Pro yeah. Football Writers Association, whatever it's called. They filed a complaint, and then did you hear what happened today? Yeah, I, I mean, we love this. Like it, it can't. Uh, yeah, okay. it, so it couldn't have gone better. <laughs> like, yeah, so they, so they, they side with they side with the their own organization sides with the Jets, and I made some comment on Twitter about how we maybe we should file a complaint about against the writers themselves. Right. And here I'm get, I was start getting hundreds of responses. People yeah. agree, one didn't want to do that. It was unbelievable weird, how everyone sort of came together. It's a weird uh, uh, sort of phenomenon right now uh, when it comes to and, – and, and I don't know if this is going on in other cities with other teams. I doubt it is just because the coverage of the Jets here in New York has been uh, – the, the closest thing you could probably link it to is coverage of the Mets, but um, – it's a strange phenomenon in that I think a lot of these beat writers, these old school print guys, um, there are two sorts of fans now, I feel like. There's the fan, uh, at least here in New York, there's that fan that is never going to go on a blog, is never going to go on, you know, uh, and, and read, uh, go on Twitter or something like that, and, and and is a huge Jet fan and has been for 30 years, and basically their opinion is shaped by reading the daily news or reading the post or listening to WFAN, you know, and, and mm -hmm. there's then this huge, it seems, it feels growing. Like, yeah. A groundswell really of people. And we're not, you know, we're not young, Scott. I mean, Brian and yeah. I are, are, are 38 or whatever. We're not, it's not like we're old, but we're certainly not young, but we, we have, we're, we have feet in both, you know, in sort of both places. Mm-hmm. You know, because we grew up on WFAN. Like, it breaks my heart that I can't listen to Mike Francesa every day. I can't. I just, I can't do it. And it's not even as much Francesa as it is the callers. Because they... they but it's, it's pretty bad, too. Exactly, exactly. Now, and, and it really is a strange phenomenon that these guys... And you've met some of them, I'm sure, in your time, uh, you know, working on Gangrene Nation and stuff. You know, Rich Samini has been writing about the Jets for about 115 years. I mean... I remember when he yeah. was at Newsday. I mean, he's been at every major paper. He's been at ESPN. The guy has hated the Jets since as, as long as I've been reading him. You know, he's hated his job as long as I've been reading him. Um, but do you think that these folks are like, 
like they don't know what to sort of do with themselves. Like, did you, do you think that they were surprised? The fans or no, no, the, these, you know, the, 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 the sort of old guard media here. Do you think that they're surprised by the fans' reaction over the last two days? Yeah, because you, you know what, the way things are happening, I think, I think fans are getting, I don't know, if afraid of getting, getting smarter, because now they, now we have access to things that you never had before, like there, are, you have. Like um, Pro Football Focus and uh, Football Outsiders, they've asked access to statistics, and they have access. They can get can see more, uh, interact with uh, players and with the uh, reporters, and so they're learning more about football, and they're focusing in on what they want to know specifically. And then when they hear, say, for example, uh, I'm, I think the week against the Chargers, there was not a single question that entire week about the Chargers. And so yeah, I think there is all of a sudden it's it's yeah. getting to like a like a tipping point. And that happened a couple of times. Yeah. Like yeah, oh, yeah, 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 that happened several that's times. One the, that's one of the ones that cracked me up was like uh Canizaro or and, and Mark Canizaro's always been good. Like it drives me crazy mm-hmm. to see him sort of fall into here. But one of the beat folks would say and and you hit on this, we watch every press conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, you can I see watch, them all now. I watch every press conference. I have for like two years. You know, I, I mean, they started doing it last year where they started streaming. And then this year they streamed every press conference. But, like, they'll tweet, oh, you know, an entire press conference. And, and Rex Ryan didn't talk once about the upcoming opponent. And I I, I would say this, like, You asked the questions. Right? Like, who, did these questions like, ask themselves? I, I think I said that to Brian Casella at one point. Like, he said, he's like, he's like, can you believe it? Rex Ryan didn't talk about this at all this week. And I said, whose fault is that? <laughs> right. Look You're at yourself. in the room. I heard you ask heard, the people question. Exactly. <laughs> what, and, you know, what you know, I, I, at the, in the very beginning of the season, a lot of people were asking about Tebow and whether would the you know, I guess would New Yorkers embrace Tebow? And I was thinking about all the coverage over the summer about it, and I, I was thinking, I'm thinking, New New Yorkers don't like to be told what to do. And I so I think we saw that we we saw that with Tebow. They didn't like to, they didn't like the the uh, media forcing him on them. Right. I think we're, we saw we're seeing the same thing now. Where to go back to what I was saying earlier about the how they were trying to use the fans against the team, the fans don't like to be told what to do or what to think. That's a great and point. And so it's 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 starting to come back and hit them and uh, hit them back. Yeah. Scott, what do you what do you think? And you brought this up in in your article about the fact that they don't ask about the game. They're more interested in just kind of the 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 gossipy side of the team, for lack of a better word. They don't ask about the game. Now, is it, that, is it that they don't know the game, or is it that they know the game, but they feel like asking the questions about Tebow or Sanchez or Rex is going to sell more papers or get more impressions? I think it depends on who you're, the, like, the audience. So no, no one reads the New York Daily News to find hard-hitting X's and O's information. No. Um, they don't want they don't, People don't read, don't read it looking for that. Now, ESPN, on the other hand, you'll see, like, you see Rich Samini, uh, he does do a little bit more statistical breakdowns to give, give snap counts, things like that, because that's his audience. I think, though, for the most part, the beat reporters don't watch football other than the games they have to go to. They don't really know what's happening, except for the obvious. Um, and so, I, I, as an example, do you remember the, the infamous butt fumble uh, um, experience? How can we think yeah. yeah, so it was Collinsworth originally. Uh, originally, when he was making the call, he was blaming it on Brandon Moore. Right. And someone like him should know better because he, right. he's been watching. He knows football a lot more. 
then you, you see the um, the Beagle Warriors sort of just backing that up. And you see him just sort of reinforcing, oh, this is Brandon Moore's fault. He just got destroyed by Vince Wilfork. Well, if someone actually that relatively knows football watch, that you can see that he was holding his own and that it was all on Sanchez. Right. So I think a lot of this, they just don't know. They just don't know any better. So whatever little analysis they can get from someone else, they'll just take that and run with it. And we see the same things repeated over and over again because they just don't know football well enough to learn from it. I guess. Right. And we have, and you know, you posted this, and and I believe we talked about. We definitely talked about this at the time because we were doing the show then. Mm-hmm. But um, and I actually had this conversation with Kimberly Martin. Uh, mm-hmm yesterday on Twitter and we had a very good or, or two days ago on Twitter we had a really nice exchange she's very open to listening to me her question was why do you follow somebody on Twitter that you hate mm-hmm. you know and I said it's not a matter of hate it's a matter of you have access mm-hmm. okay I want to get that access because I don't have it but there's right. no clear delineation between your newspaper your column uh, your your uh, wherever you are on the web or whatever, and what you're tweeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's there's no clear delineation. So like, just give me the facts about the team and do you're it right. without the snark and the and the cynicism. Mm-hmm. I said otherwise. Do me a favor. Have two separate Twitter accounts. Right. You or mean have, a, have exactly mm-hmm. have it. G- give me a Twitter name that is you know your jet one like Manesh's, which I'll never be able to write to again. Uh, jet, you know the at the jet stream or whatever. That's your newspaper one. And then give me a Manesh one where you can be the biggest wise ass you ever want to be in your life. Knock yourself out. I said this to her. I said you, it's difficult to make the delineation between the beat reporter who's supposed to be covering the team because all I want is your access. That's it. <laughs> and there was no better example than this uh, of this than Rich Semini's treat about Kenrick Ellis. None. Oh, that that is. I, I would say that it was the most unprofessional tweet I've ever seen. And then he got, he got an argument after that with, um, uh, what's his name, Howard Chatsky, uh, his, yeah. uh, Ellis' agent, or yeah. former agent, I think. Yeah. And the two of them got an argument about it, and he still holds, or he still holds a grudge over their argument. Right, and he still holds that he that there was nothing wrong with what he tweeted. Yeah. And, you know, th- there was no greater, and you, Cal, you know which one we're talking about here. The one absolutely, yeah, about him being jet strapped, druggy, druggy. I, I mean, I, I had to look at that like three or four times at first, obviously, to see if it was real. Like I thought for sure, Samini was going to go with a, I was a hack. I was hacked. Like for sure. <laughs> oh, that would that would have been the smart thing to do. Yeah, Easy. if he had any sort of brain, he would have said that you know Rashad Mendenhall hacked my uh, you know my Twitter <laughs> account. But I mean, it was just. Uh, that, I, think, I think we. I think we learned long ago that he doesn't really uh, think these kinds of things through. <laughs> no, and uh, neither does Rashad Mendenhall. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, speaking of unprofessionalism or non-professionalism, I don't know. There's a word there. Um, Un- unprofessionalism. It is. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We'll go with it. It's t- terrible. It doesn't matter because I know you. I know you're going to talk about. It felt all wrong, baby. Um, <laughs> like like Duke talking to Apollo. He's all wrong for us, baby. Um, uh, we've mentioned his name. He's been uh, he's been one of our favorites, Scott. He's been one of our favorite guys to talk about. Cal, please, please, if you will. I just really, I just, I want Scott's opinion on this. And Scott, maybe you could shed some light. You're a little closer to the situation than we are. There's there is just such a perceived agenda with this guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, you know who we're talking about, right? I believe so. Okay. 
And I'm familiar with his work. Yes. Do, do you have Do you have any theories as to why this year he just kind of went off off the rocker and was just he went, he went rogue? He was completely nuts all year. Um. He used maybe, to be a good writer. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, used to be. I don't know. Maybe he's looking for a better job. It's just, it's, it's just crazy. A lot of the speculation when it comes to Manesh Mehta has been, uh, and I've seen this uh, by a lot of our contemporaries, or sort of the people that we hang with now, um, and it doesn't have to be some sort of club, but you know what I mean, like the people that are mm. sort of have been like-minded is, you know, every one of these uh, scoops and unsubstantiated anonymous stories that he's put out there has gotten him... Uh, another level of uh, national coverage that he would never have achieved. So whether it's Pro Football Weekly or whether it's going on WFAN with Boomer and Carton, Mm -hmm. or whether it's, um, you know, a a number of his stories, much like Gary Myers this year, who, speaking of hacks, um, (laughs) that's, you know, we we, we decided a long time ago, Scott, these folks are never going to come on our show, so it's okay. Yeah, um, I was actually, I was thinking of going to some press conference, like a press the press conference next week, but I realized they'd all probably beat me up. So yeah, um, but uh, well, the, the amazing thing we'll talk about this later. The amazing thing is how uh, they think they're so like even Canazero with his yawn. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was there. Yeah. Yeah, like his his response is as, uh oh, Peach, what are you doing? Uh oh, <laughs> PJ does this. I don't know what I don't know what happened there. Funky music interlude. Um, but yeah, Kanazawa responding yawn to everybody's criticism of what they were doing, yeah. um, which is he's better than that. Like these guys, but with Minesh, um, is it simply a matter of trying to make a name for himself, or uh, is it one of my theories is that he's the guy who stepped in crap because he got an inside source there, mm-hmm. and you know, maybe by accident or whatever, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to run with it as long as this person keeps... Because look, there's, make no mistake about it, the Jets have been a PR disaster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, let's preface this entire conversation by saying that the Jets have done plenty mm-hmm. on their own. I mean, they have been the gang who couldn't shoot straight. <laughs> you know, yeah, Without a doubt. Like, they didn't need any help. Right. But... They, they just get... <laughs> They right. just uh, keep up. They keep up fumbling it over to the media. Right, right. This, this is not to exonerate the Jets. You know, the, the media, the, the New York beat reporters didn't trade for Tim Tebow, so yeah. this is not to exonerate the Jets and their PR staff here. But maybe he just got a great source and just runs with it. You know, I've I've heard from the beat reporters from several times, from several different ones, that they hate covering the Jets. And I think that's part partially because it's probably because they're terrible. But you know, I, I don't know this for certain about Manish. I don't know if this is this is what his thing is. But they hate cover. But several of them hate covering the team. They wish they were covering someone else. Maybe for all for all I know, and this is just speculation. Maybe he's trying to. This is the kind of stuff that ESPN uh, loves. So maybe he's trying to work his way onto a into a better gig. But like I said, that's speculation. That's based off other things I've heard. So what you're saying, Scott, is that he might be doing exactly what he wrote an entire story about the Jet coach was doing? What do you mean? In in terms of maybe trying to get himself off of the beat. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't even know fires the way work for him, but maybe just hired somewhere else. But, yeah. No, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, no. Right, he's trying to get himself a better situation. I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time that he's been um, he's done something sort like sort of like this. Like he, he like the he's the one that's been preaching transparency throughout this whole press conference thing, and he's the one that blocks all the people that criticize him on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. He won't give his sources. Yeah, they're I mean, sensitive. The most... They're a sensitive lot. They are a really sensitive lot. Like Myers blocked me. I didn't even say anything to Manesh. I really didn't. Like yeah. I thought we were having a decent conversation, and he DM'd me, and I wrote back. I, you know, this was before all the craziness, right? You know, uh, but I didn't even say anything that bad to him, and he blocked me. And I have like ninety followers. Like, who the <laughs> hell am I? You know, that's yeah. how sensitive that it's. It's not like he blocked me for strategic reasons. I, I, I don't mean to sound like Hollywood Squares here, but like, it, I, I just here's another question. Then building on what you just said. Mm-hmm. Which strikes me as absolutely insane. And Brian, will, I, I think we've talked about this a lot. They have the greatest beat in football, maybe oh. in professional sports. I, I would, yeah, absolutely. They haven't had to work for a story in four years. It's really incredible, isn't it? I, I mean, Cal, you say that you you said this so perfectly uh, recently about how. You know, heaven forbid they actually have to look for a story idea again. Well, one, of them, one of them just said something about it. I, I don't remember which one it was. Someone just made a comment on... Was Costello. Uh, was it Costello that says all yeah. the beat reporters actually have to work for their articles? Yeah. Yeah. This was before all the press conference stuff. Yeah. And, and Cal, yeah. You, 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 said, you said that weeks ago. Weeks ago. Well, yeah. And, and, and the other thing about it is that you know, they, they spent two years ripping Rex for being, you know, boastful and you know, all the bluster and, and talking. They they ripped him to shreds for that. And then when yeah. he changed his tune and tried, mm-hmm. he figured, all right, I'm getting killed for doing this. Let me try something different. He got killed for doing that, too. So he was in it's, the ultimate no-win situation. It's the definition of biting the hand that's feeding you. That's perfect, yeah. Well, and, I, and think, I, I, I think a lot of what went on the last couple of days, I'm sorry, Scott, a lot of what went on yeah. the last couple of days, and, and I think this is, again, to go back to your really well-written and, and thought-out argument uh, or, or post, um, is, and this happened with Herm. I was talking to somebody about this. This happened with Herm Edwards when Mangini came in. Mm. And this, this leads to something Cal has been uh, sort of percolating. Uh, wow. <laughs> Easy, Wall Clyde. <laughs> Cal uh, has been percolating uh, as far as the thesis goes when there's a really loose atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then all of a sudden it's threatened to be gone. Right. Like these guys wanted that press conference because the gravy train may be leaving. <laughs> yeah. You know, they've had the easiest job in sports for four years. And this year, forget about it. This year, I could have covered the beat. My wife could have covered the Jets this year. I mean, that's how easy it I was. I hope she doesn't hear that. No, she she, <laughs> she doesn't listen um, to anything, really. Forget not even the show. Um, no, but they've had the easiest you know beat in the world. I think they see it might be a buttoned up situation, and this happened with Herm. You know, Herm ran. You know, Herm gave them sound bites and quotes, and it was open and loose. I mean, Herm used to go on with Beningo on the overnights. You know, that's right. how desperate Herm was for airtime. 
Um, on WFAN, you'd hear him at 3.30 in the morning be like, that's my head coach? Like he's, he's, Why is he on the overnight with this guy? But um, And then Mangini came in, and it was like they didn't know what to do with themselves. You know, because exactly, all, this, yeah. all the story leads stopped. They actually had to work for a living. Mm-hmm. And I think they saw that happening again. Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. I think I think that's that's exactly what happened. It's, it stopped, and that's why we're seeing this demand. For their, why they were crying out for a press conference because they they didn't, they're not used to having having to work. <laughs> and 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 I think the other thing that they're not used to is being held accountable. You know, they've kind of run, especially this year, they've just run roughshod over everybody this year with with their snark and their commentary, and nobody's ever really stepped up and called them on it. Right. And yesterday, and yesterday, everybody stepped up at once and called them <laughs> it was, on it. Yeah. And you saw the reaction, right? Oh yeah. I'm, I'm curious if it actually means the change is happening or what. But personally, I think what they what they should probably do is I think the, I think the Jets as an organization should revoke a press credential from one of them. Yeah. For being well, so for being so unprofessional. Yeah, I, 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 Scott, I firmly believe that what they're doing this week. Mm-hmm. is um, a little bit of a protest. I really do. Yeah. I really think if you watch, and I'm sure you did, if you watch the post-game uh, press conference after the Bills game, after the last yeah. game of the season, and I'm not sure who it was that really was, because uh, I couldn't see and I didn't recognize the voice, um, who was really pushing Rex about whether the conversation was off the record or on the record um, uh, with Manish. Yeah. Um, but I so I couldn't see who it was, but that was like the complete to me. That was like the complete tipping point where the Jets themselves said, "Enough! Now you guys, you you've gone too far. You have really gone too far, and you know what? Now you're going to get nothing. Now you're going to get now, absolutely nothing." What, what I'm really curious about is how much of this is Jed Hughes, their uh, headhunter. Yeah. How much? How much of this is him saying, telling the organization, until we finish this search? Don't say a word to anyone. Yep, I think so, that. I, I mean, I don't know. It might be him. It might be Bruce Spate. It might be him. It might be Bruce Spate, the uh, head of PR. Right. I'm, I'm, I don't know, but I, I suspect it's Hughes because of just how sudden this changed. I think it's got to be him. Yeah, I I totally agree. And I I <laughs> I was joking with some other Jeff fans I was talking to at work, and we were talking about uh, Rex being down in the Bahamas, and and you know just timeline wise the way this worked. Um, you know, with them not doing a press conference on the Monday afterward, they were scheduled to have it at 4:45. They canceled it at what, like noon or something. Yeah. Um, but Rex was in the building, and it's come out uh, uh, that Rex uh, was told not to give the press conference and also not to make his appearance on ESPN. So it's right. so even even their even their their notion that Rex is ducking them. It's, it's absurd, it's yeah. And you know, the most most incredible thing about that original press conference that was scheduled, the day before, they were the beat reporters were whining like I've never seen about how they, they were going to have this press conference on New yeah. Year's Eve. <laughs> Every single one of them, they they were so upset about this. Kimberly Martin was complaining that it was going to ruin her plans for that yeah. night. And I got, and and I, got the, I will say this about Kim uh, Kimberly Martin: it's her first year on the beat, and she's been mostly solid. Uh, to me, to me, she's 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 not as a, nearly as egregious as a number of her colleagues. I will I, say I love her, I love her articles. I hate her tweets. Okay, I'll put it. 
That's fair. Yeah. I think she did a good and and you know what that's uh, I, I think she did a good job trying to in her articles rise above the Tebow stuff. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with that. Well, because when you because when you think about it, the articles are designed for to pre, to present news, right? Mm-hmm. They're reports. They're news. The tweets are their opinions. Right. Right. Again, this is why I want the two Twitter handle solution. But you know the, the problem is they're also tweeting out their articles from that same that same right. Twitter account. So yeah. it's it's, and then when they're sitting in the press conferences, they're saying they're talking about how Rex isn't giving them straight answers or whatever. <laughs> and so it's like you like you're saying, there's no delineation, is blowing the line. I'm watching the press conference, like it's it's that classic like from City Slickers, like he's right behind me, isn't he? Like I, I'm I'm <laughs> yeah. right I'm right behind you. You're talking you're talking about I can see what. Uh, we well, can see the tops of your head. Right. Exactly. <laughs> and. Because the Jets put the press conference streaming about 10 to 15 minutes before Rex actually appears. You can just hear them talking. You can hear them talking. To, and, and you know who they are at this point. Exactly. And a couple of times, uh, you know, before all this went down, like early in the season, before this sort of battle lines were drawn, mm-hmm. I tweeted to Jane McManus and I tweeted to somebody else, hey, guys, we can hear you. We can hear you. <laughs> You should probably not call us idiots. We can hear you. Um, but we were joking about you know Rex going down to the Bahamas. So he was there. He was told not to make his appearances, not to do the press conference. It was an organizational decision. They told Rex to shut up, basically. Yeah. And Don LaGreca, <laughs> uh, uh, who, uh, to his credit, said, hey, look, we've been told, we found out that Rex was – told by the organization he couldn't come on ESPN Radio and he couldn't do his press conference. But then LaGreca blew it, of course, by saying, I think he should have pushed hard and ignored it. Yeah, because a as lot if, of people... As if he really knows the conversation. And also a lot of people do that. A lot of people are completely disobedient to their employers. Completely. Mm-hmm. Like, if, like if they said to him at ESPN Radio, hey, uh, Don, uh, don't talk about this. He's mm-hmm. going to tell them, no, no. No, no. No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about this because the people need to know. You know, I mean, right. who's doing that at their job? Who's exactly, going to their exactly. boss and saying, "Ah, you know what?" Especially when you're already on thin ice as Rex. Is. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like you don't even like that's the kind of thing that Rex wants to lose his job over. <laughs> right. Nobody said a word about Tanny. They let him fall in the. I mean, please, please, stop. Yeah. You know, did he did ten did the team pick itself? That's the other great you know uh, conspiracy theory out there now. You know that or not conspiracy theory, but this this notion that Rex was the mastermind behind the personnel. Well, yeah, I, I don't buy that for an instant. I don't buy that. I mean, why, he, he why, opened, why don't you he opened, buy that, Scott? I know why I don't. Why don't you? Okay, well, first of all, I, from what I, from what I understand, Rex had Rex picks gets one pick per draft. Right. So during during he picked John Connor, uh, I I'm 98% sure he was the one that picked Copel this year, etc. Um, it's from other reports I've heard it says that Tannenbaum made all the picks. He then he would pick a round peg, expecting Rex to somehow fit into a square a square hole. Interesting. And um, it was that was all him. I mean I know I know for example that. Um, I've been told that the Jets were in a position to sign Cameron Wake before he went to the Dolphins. They were in a great position to do it. All the scouts wanted, and Tannenbaum overruled them. 
Oh boy. So yeah, so I mean, it's I'm, from what I understand, Tannenbaum had almost all the power. He was the one. I not to exonerate Rex completely because I think he did have some say in this kind of, in this stuff. They probably asked him asked his opinion uh, for some of them, but. It well, sounds, I think, it sounds to me, from what I understand, that it was almost all on Tannenbaum. Yeah, I think it's. I I think where Rex is, that's fascinating because I think where Rex is guilty, and we've talked about this a ton on the show, and um, and I've seen this in in some other places as well, and I think it's really pertinent, or or, or maybe the case here, is that Rex, if he's guilty of anything, is bad self evaluation. Uh, oh, absolutely. Is bad evaluation of his personnel. Uh, that he did actually have there a bad evaluation of who, uh, you know, or maybe what their needs are, especially on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. But I said this to you, you know, there's, I don't think you can blame Rex for a Sanchez's contract extension. Now, no, Tannenbaum may have went to him and said, "Do you think we should extend him?" I can see Rex. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course, absolutely. I can't see Rex saying, "Go give him eight point two five million dollars guaranteed this year." Right. Right. Isn't that the capologist job? Yeah, I think what I think happens happened to Tannenbaum going from his earlier days to now. I think when he was just focusing on the cap and someone was telling him what to do, he was great. But then when he had to be when he had to be the one to evaluate the ta- the talent and then come up with the contract, that's when we start seeing the the, the big the huge bad deals, the right. uh, the contracts that just don't make sense. I think he was just in over his head. Yeah, uh, he was no, he was true. he was overextended. If you look at the roster being thin, especially at the bottom, what did they make? Like fifty-two moves at the bottom of this roster this year. Yeah. Um, and and I I was uh, having this conversation with our buddy uh, Dr. Ray Stad, who's a, uh, our buddy Ev, who's a huge Jet fan, and he's one of the guys who's in our our little chat room there on text. Mm-hmm. And uh, huge Jet fan, great stuff. And he was like, you know, I think Rex is really responsible for a lot of this. And I said, I said, Ev, my example is Braylon Edwards. Now, mm-hmm. anybody, anybody who's ever listened to the show knows that. I have something very special for Braylon. Uh, I wouldn't call it a restraining order. That's that's unfair. Um, I do love him. I love the guy. Uh, I wanted them to sign Braylon and not San Antonio Holmes. Right. Uh, and I said so on these very airwaves. But um, uh, he's the prime example to me of Tannenbaum. Mm-hmm. Because, and over Rex. Because... I can see it because Edwards, when he gave that interview in training camp with the Dolphins, when the when the GM asked him, uh, Ireland asked him, "Who could I call?" That's your character reference. Yeah, he said Rex. Yeah, Rex Ryan, without any sort of hesitation. Right. The Jets clearly needed a receiver. They wound up having to sign him in Week 15 after he called them idiots. <laughs> after he called the front office idiots, that's how desperate they were. He obviously still had game left. He never wanted to leave. How could you possibly tell me that Rex has control over personnel if it took 15 weeks to sign Braylon Edwards, who Rex clearly loves? Clearly yeah. loves. Well, let me first tell you, I actually, yeah. I actually just met Braylon Edwards like two days ago. Who is he nice? Oh, his beard <laughs> looked incredible. <laughs> Cal, Cal, um, make fun. I, I have a thing. You're, you're so jealous right now. I am really jealous right now. I really it was jealous. pretty cool. He has a hat on and everything. Was he cool? Was he nice? Yeah, he was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, um, I, think, I think they better sign him back. I'm going to be very upset. You know what? What, what happened? What I know? What I noticed from him these past couple of weeks, at least, it looked to me like he lost almost all the speed. Yeah, he was battling the hamstring. He was battling the hamstring. I'm like yeah, that, he had the like, hamstring and the knee thing. Right, I'm like that ex-girlfriend. He, no, he's fine. 
<laughs> nah, he, I think he lost a lot of speed probably from the injuries or whatever it is. Maybe it's because he's getting, I mean, he's almost 30 now. Right. Um, but he, he's going to have to transfer into him from the deep uh, speedy receiver into a possession receiver. Uh, but he looks to be doing that pretty well the past couple of weeks. Yeah. So I, I, no, I was, I was not I was not thrilled when they re-signed him. Um, but I'm, I'm coming around on it now because the way his passion, the way he was playing the past couple of weeks. All right, we're going to keep an eye on how, how about after meeting him? Are you happier now? <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm, I'm definitely happier. All right, cool. Cal, you had wanted to uh, – that's Cal's dog, by the way. He's uh, he's often okay. on the show. Uh, he's not happy either. Which dog is that? That's Ferguson. That's Ferguson. Yeah, to Brickashaw. To Brickashaw. Yeah, um, uh, was he from Freeport? Is he he is, yeah, right from the streets of Freeport. We brought right. him in. From the rough streets of Freeport, Long Island? Um now Cal had a Cal had a great thing, and then we're going to get to if you got a couple more minutes, Scott. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'd love to get to uh, the GM search, obviously, and talk about that. But mm-hmm. before we get to that, Cal had one more thing, and I wanted to talk about this too, um, just as far as uh, the, the the beat reporter stuff, Cal. Well, the, th- the the thing that I noticed about the Jets is that it, it's very similar to what happened uh, with the Mets, and I don't I don't know if you follow the Mets. We're huge Mets fans. Here. Okay. And I, I, don't, I don't follow him that Scott, much. Yeah. You might have to go and fill me in. Okay. I, I believe Scott is a Yankee fan. Is that correct? I am. Yes. That's okay. Right. Well, so we welcome all New York sports people here. <laughs> just, just not Ranger fans. Oh, you're one of those two. <laughs> low blow. Low blow. Sorry. Maybe smarter than us, though. Maybe <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely more intelligent than us Islander fans. Go ahead. Um, what happened with the Mets is that when Omar Minaya was here running the show. There were you. It was and what you don't know about the Mets, you you will understand because it's very similar to what happened this year with the Jets. There were lots of leaks. There were lots of anonymous quotes, and there was a lot of information flowing around that really shouldn't have been flowing around coming out of the organization. And when Manaya got fired, and they brought Sandy Alderson in, all of those leaks stopped. Mm-hmm. All all of the access to the team stopped. And what they did was they made a conscious effort, the Mets, the organization, made a conscious effort to just shut down the amount of information that was being leaked out of the, out of the organization or, or was, was being disseminated. They were very careful and measured in what they communicated. And what that did to the Met beat writers and bloggers, not the bloggers, but mostly the Met beat writers, is it drove them nuts because now all of a sudden they didn't have this information being spoon-fed to them. Right. And what they tried to do was they tried to turn the fans against the organization, much like yeah, the Jets. Yeah, it's exactly what they're doing. What the, and, and using that same old excuse, the fans deserve to know, or you owe the fans an explanation, and you owe the fans this. And the fans didn't want that either. It's like, no, don't, don't tell us what, what we're owed. I want information and I want my team to do things the right way. And if that means that I'm not going to hear about every time somebody makes a wrong step in the clubhouse, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. And it really, and it really, it, it was, it took the writers a lot to to get used to that new way of life around the Mets. And even two years later, they're still not really used to it. No, and they don't care for it. I mean, it's a very, and again, the other huge similarity between the Mets and the Jets here is the Mets two have given plenty for their fan base to be angry about. Right. Plenty. Right. Like th- there's not a PR misstep that they haven't taken. 
Literally. <laughs> Literally. But <laughs> It, 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 the the beat guys and the, the the jet guys have done the same thing. Use that to try to play into the voice of the fan. So it's like right. you already hate the Wilpons or don't like the Wilpons. If you don't like them, wait, you're gonna love this. They screwed up this. LOL Mets. You know, <laughs> and, and and that became and it became LOL Jets this year. But yeah, literally, yeah. literally on Deadspin, they had their their the subject who had on title was all under was LOL Jets. Yeah. Yep. But 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 what's happened now is that guys like you and guys like the bloggers that we talked about earlier have become the voice of the fans. Mm-hmm. So you you are now providing an alternative to fans that don't have to go to the beat writers and don't have to be forced to listen to what they have to say because we have an alternative. We can go to your site and we can and we can discuss with other fans just like us about what's mm-hmm. going on with our team. And it's and it's it's you know the writers have kind of shot themselves in the foot by turning the fans against them and really banding with each other to create this community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think one of the things uh, about uh, to the Gangrene Nation specifically, we're going to talk about the GM search in just a second, but uh, on on that uh, that that post, the media plague post uh, that we've been referring to. Uh, mm-hmm. You have a, uh, a, a, a uh, what I assume is a, a guy who uh, or girl, I don't know, uh, who posts quite a bit. Uh, key, I guess, blank key. Is oh. that... I, I think he's. I'm pretty sure it's the guy. Yeah, I, I, I was too, but you, you never know. Could be yeah. a super, super aggressive girl. But um, here's here's no. But seriously, uh, the thing about this this poster, um, in in the comments section, I read through most of the 300 uh, comments. Uh, on that particular site because it was fascinating to me and there's some you know dissension there especially by this uh this key guy uh, this key person who but you know what that's what your site's about mm-hmm. you know that's a big part of what your site is about and as long as things stay respectful right you know and as long as people don't get into name calling or stuff like that um yeah. uh, uh, which seems to happen on on uh doesn't seem to happen I should say on your site um, yeah, we're we're very very careful about that, not to let that that happen. Yeah, well, it, I mean, that's one of the reasons we started the show. You know, we don't want mm-hmm. it to devolve into people to. We're becoming d bags about sports, and it's sports, it's not politi- right. politics, it's not religion, it's just sports. Yeah. You know, the the only definites are stats. That's it. Yeah. You know, are numbers and who won and who lost, and even you right, know if right. it's Green Bay and Seattle at the beginning of the year, that's not <laughs> even true. That's not questionable, right? Right. So. Uh, before we get to the GM thing, how did you uh, start, you know, at the gangrenenation.com uh, and stuff, and how did you get into being managing editor? You know, I, I think I started reading it, I think it was right, right around the time that we um, we traded for Cromarty. Okay. I think I, I think I just Googled his name or something uh, to get some, like, highlight videos, and then the post from Gangrene Nation showed up, and I started reading it. And so I guess I read it for, I don't know, maybe a year. And I started, then started talking to John, the uh, editor in chief, and I, I asked him if they had any um, any spots to for moderators to kind of keep the uh, comment section um, clean. I did that for a little bit, and then eventually I just asked to start writing. And I started off just doing breaking news for them, and then eventually I started writing more and more until until now. Yeah, I think you know what's great about Gangrene Nation, and and we. Again, I, you know, try to be home to a lot of uh, of bloggers and sports bloggers and stuff like that. 
to uh, and there there are sort of different kinds like uh, the Mets blog. We had Matt Zerone on very early on, and hopefully we'll have him on again soon. Okay. Uh, you know, Matt Zerone's Mets blog is uh, he's a curator. You know what I mean? It's not as much it, it's not an opinion driven site. And then you have uh, a site that we read all the time that really came on. I mentioned before, Turn on the Jets. Turn on the Jets okay. is is a sort of content site. You know, they, he doesn't get a lot of comments on his posts, but his posts are fantastic. You know, he's got really good writers there. And then, you know, Gangry Nation is kind of cool. And I, I, I had been familiar with SB Nation and stuff like that. But Gangry Nation is kind of cool because it's a, it's a, it's both. Right. You know, it's, it's sort of a little of both. Like, obviously, the commenters uh, uh, drive a lot of the site, but there's a, obviously material there. There's a bunch of different writers. There's a bunch of – you also do the breaking news thing and do what's happening. So you, you guys are – uh, doing sort of all of that. How long have you been a Jet fan? Have you been a Jet fan since you were like a wee lad or what? Since 1997. Um, I met Joe Namath at a March of Dimes event. I was seven years old. Oh, cool. And he uh, taught me how to throw, throw a Nerf ball, throw a spiral on it, show me oh, the wow. Super Bowl rings. And as soon as I saw the Super Bowl ring, I was hooked. That was, that was the one good thing he was there that day. <laughs> right. Good thing it wasn't like Phil Sims with two or like, you know, like, like, oh my goodness, that guy has seven rings on. Good thing, like, good thing Mean Joe Green wasn't there. You'd be writing uh, the, the. Oh, absolutely. My my dad my dad never really watched sports, so I was pretty moldable at that point. Nice. And and regionally, where were you? Uh, I'm from, I'm originally from Staten Island, but I live I live in New Jersey. Oh, uh, okay. Our our Bishop uh, Pop Culture PJ is originally from Staten Island and lives in New Jersey. So there you go. Oh, yeah? Yeah, a couple huh. Staten Islanders. That's not a bad place. Is that right over there? Um, well, it, it, it's it's funny how certain things take hold or take root. Like, I had no choice but to be a Jet fan because uh, of my uncles and uh, uh, the people that I watch football with, and we had season tickets for 100 years. Okay. But it's it's it, it's funny to... See that, like you're, uh, I guess, in law school or, or um, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Uh, <laughs> but you, you know, you also have like a little side career writing, you know, jet stuff. Like you're a part of it. Like I think it's so cool how at this point we can sort of do that. Yeah, it was, it was funny. The, fir- the first week of school um, of law school, they had our like, orientation. They mentioned that one of the one of the students uh, wrote about the jets out of their own blog. And people, people coming up to me like, "Do you met this guy that writes about the Jets? That's the coolest thing I've ever heard." I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> no big deal or anything. But, right. But that's me. I've yeah. heard of him. I've heard of him. He's quite handsome. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, so onto the GM search because you guys are right. all over this. You guys are doing a good job, and and we Jet fans, uh, in this community, that's all we want to talk about. We don't give a crap right. about a press conference where Rex is gonna. Say nothing. You know, say the, no, no, he'll say something. It'll be, it'll be the same thing over and over again. Right. Exactly. And then they'll kill him for it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. That's the best chance to win. Um, <laughs> well, I, my, my, I actually got a question for Scott about Rex, mm-hmm. which kind of relates to the GM search. Um, the, the question that I have is, do you think there's a chance? Now, he's on vacation right now, and they right. and we pretty much surmised that Woody told him to kind of Make himself scarce for the next week. Right. <laughs> go down to take care of that thing. Go to the Bahamas. Right. Um, do you think there's a chance, depending on who they bring in as the next GM, is there a chance that Rex Ryan 
might wind up losing his job. Yeah, yeah, I do. I, I, what I, I have a feeling is going on is when they're doing these interviews, which I think which apparently start tomorrow, they're going to say the uh, Woody Johnson is going to say that these these guys. I like I like Rex. He does. He's done. He has has had a pretty good track history with the Jets. I'd like to keep him. If you're really opposed to it, though, we can get rid of him. That sort of thing. Yeah, that so I, I, that's the question that I think a lot of Jet fans are asking because the from the press release it seemed that, and of course the the the, the mainstream media has sort of picked up on this and ran with it that you know Rex is staying here no matter what. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's true. I think it's if 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 they fall in love with the GM, but he really wants to bring someone else, then I think that I I have, I have a feeling Woody, you know, Woody Johnson will go along with that, and that, that may be partially why they canceled the press conference. I I think see all of this is logical and makes sense. Yes, yeah. and it's then not. Again, it's the it's not so it shouldn't make sense. That's true. I mean, they could they could call a press conference and say they're keeping Tebow. They've traded Sanchez to the Giants. We don't know anything could really happen. But. And, and one and one last thing. I just I have to go back to it because it's driving me crazy. Why can't why do these guys think that Rex canceled his own press conference? Yeah, like we were talking about, right? I don't. I don't think that they actually believe that. I think they just want people to believe that because that drives the, that drives the narrative. You well, and so? also it it calls him out. Yeah. Like Manesha's article from two days ago or yesterday basically called Rex a coward. Like mm-hmm. he called Rex a coward. Sure, it was like a skipping man. town or something like that. Right. He called Rex. No, the, even the one the day before. He oh, said yeah. that Rex. They're they're trying to goad Rex Ryan into giving them one more circus moment. Right, because and the what, grave, what, what, grave I think, what, I think really, what I think they're really hoping for when they when they filed their complaint, I have a feeling they were hoping the Jets would all of a sudden say, "Wait, wait, 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 let's let's right. have some press conference," and yeah. then they get, that gives them another thing, saying, "Oh, well, now they're bowing to the demands of whatever that they they screwed up again." Exactly. Ha ha ha, Jets. <laughs> exactly. And also make them make them come to the press conference as unprepared as possible. To just maximize the possibility of them saying something stupid. Right. Mm-hmm. The, I, was, uh, I was, I was kind of hoping that the that the the, um, the NFL would find the Jets or whatever, and that Woody would basically just say, "We'd rather eat the fine than yeah. this a couple hundred thousand dollar fine than give you another another soundbite." Yeah, I, we speculated that they uh, they're very much. I was I was thinking that they were very much doing this on purpose. As an organization, they knew there might be a penalty, and if they got wind that the penalty was going to be cap money or a draft pick or something severe, then they would call the press conference. You know, and they would. But if they got wind that it wasn't going to be a severe penalty, then right. they wouldn't, uh, and they yeah. would go through yeah. with it. And then, of course, as we mentioned, the Pro Football Writers Association says, "No, there's nothing wrong with it. It's totally fine." <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, right. Um, so give me, uh, Scott. Give us your your three. Uh, your top three choices for GM and why? Tom, Tom Gamble is probably my first pick, um, just because he's 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 been around been around the league. He's done almost every role imaginable. He's managed the cap. He's uh, or at least he's done contract negotiations. He's been in um, pro personnel. He's been in scouting. He's sort of done it all, and he's he's now with a winning organization with the Niners, and he knows. What makes uh, what composes a winning organization? So he's probably my first pick. Um, okay. I like I actually like um, for my second pick. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. I think it's Bacagnan. 
Yeah. Um, from, from the uh, from the Texans. Okay. And he's he's another guy. He's he's newer to the newer to the job. Uh, uh, he doesn't have quite as much experience as Gamble, but he's sort of he's sort of done a bit of a bit of everything as well. Um, and they've they've been doing <laughs> they've been doing pretty well with the draft uh, recently, as we see with guys like JJ Watt. Yeah. Um, so they, those okay. those two are probably my my top two. Um, as for my third, maybe Mark Ross. I I, I don't think it's going it's coming. I think he's going to Carolina. Yeah. Uh, but Mark Ross on the Giants, uh, another guy that that uh, is doing well. He's doing what uh, the Giants with the draft do, but I think what the Jets should do, uh, which is draft for specifically the best player available. They can have six pass pass rushers, but if there's another one that's on the table, they'll take him just because he's the best player available. And we saw, we saw the, the how that paid off during the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Yeah. Um, so I, I think if you're looking solely from a draft perspective, I'm really interested in Ross. Um, but if you're looking for the more well-rounded uh, candidate, I'd go, I'd, I'd go with Gamble. Scott, what do you think about Tom Hecker? Now, a lot of people kind of criticize his time in Cleveland, but he did work with, with Philly and Andy Reid for a number of years. And there's talk that Andy Reid wants him to come into Kansas City. What do you, you think he'd be okay here? I'm not Yeah, There are a lot of people, especially on Gangway Nation, that were really opposed to him. I'm not. Uh, I'm not that opposed to him. I think they they have a lot of good young talent. I think his biggest flaws are that he whiffed on the whiffed on he's whiffed on quarterbacks, and he's whiffed with picking in, uh, with picking head coach without uh, picking a head coach, uh, sure. and Pat Shermer. Right. Um, Which he wouldn't have to do his first year, most likely anyway. Right. Right. Yeah. So I don't do that. I think that's out of the question. And the bigger issue is the quarterbacks, which I don't know how much is him uh, or, or whatever, but. I, that's that's the, my biggest concern with him. Other than that, I think they got a lot of good young talent all around the all around the board, with the exception of that one position. Yeah, and I'm just reading now from our little uh, on the Twitter feed as we're talking about this. Packers executive John Dorsey is interviewing with the Jets this weekend. That's so the one he, I've I've heard I've heard as a dark horse candidate. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I I I don't know much about John Dorsey. I have to do my homework. I know uh, Little Miss Jet Deb is very excited. Yeah. Uh, she's, she loves she's, him, yeah. a, she's a great uh, Jets tweeter. What about uh, what about Caldwell? Uh, I've read some great things about him. I've read some things that I like. Um, obviously, they know how to surround a quarterback with talent. Yes, definitely. Now, I want, I want, I, what I'd be interested in, I don't, I don't know this, how much of a say he had in it, right? Uh, in, in all that, uh, I'm he not, was third, I'm not he as was third familiar. man there, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm, so I'm not as, uh, as comfortable. Uh, with him, uh, as I am with the other ca- with the other candidates, but I, right. like, if he got if he got hired, I'd, I'd probably be happy. Yeah, it seems like Gamble though is is pretty, and he's interviewing this weekend as well. I believe Gamble's interviewing right. on Friday. Um, I think is 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 pretty much the Cal. How you feel there? What do you where are you leaning, brother? Well, I, I think I think like everybody, Gamble seems to be the guy. But um, Scott, I'm going to pose you the same devil's advocate question I, I asked Steve yesterday. Mm-hmm. Tom Gamble is obviously a qualified candidate. He's got a successful track record. Why would he want to come to a situation that you have a salary cap problem that Tannenbaum has left you with, <laughs> and and the depleted roster? Like, what? I, you could argue that it, it would be a challenge for him, but what would what would be interesting in this job to Tom Gamble? Do you think? So the first, the first part is that he's he's been with the Jets before in the in the mid '90s. He was with the Jets for a brief period. 
Um, I think he was a quality uh, quality control coach. Defensive uh, quality that. control. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did. He did that. He's originally from the Northeast, so this would be closer to home for him than say Jacksonville, which is another place he's interviewing. Um, and I, I don't think as for the salary cap, I don't think that's going to be as big a concern. If you if you take off guys like Jason Smith and Boris Scott and Calvin Pace, that that immediately drops you below the limit. So I don't think that's going to be as big an issue. But I think if you if you want to make a statement in the in the league, it's it's with the Jets. Um, but I, it, it depends. I think it depends on his alternatives. It's from what I from what I've heard, uh, the real competitions between the Jets and the Jacks and uh, the Jaguars for him. And I, I'm obviously biased. I can't see why anyone would. I, I can't see why anyone would want to go to Jacksonville over New York, especially if as 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 we've heard they they're. Uh, owner is going to force Tim Tebow on him. Yeah, no, that's very true. I uh, Two things here real quick, and then you've been super generous with your time. We'll let you go in just a minute. But um, one, Cal, I thought of this today, too. We hadn't even talked about this. But um, uh, if you want a really good and, – and, and credit to an actual – I believe it was a beat reporter. Um, they, you know, they, they don't do a terrible job all the time. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. They, get, they get lucky every once in a while. Um <laughs> No, but they when they actually set their mind to it and work, you know, a lot of these guys are actually talented journalists once upon a time. Um, right. But they were talking about, you know, look no further than, and I believe it might have been Gary Myers, uh, but look no further, which I don't know if he was ever talented, um, but look no further than the Giants. Uh, for a recent example of a coach that was kept uh, as a condition for a new GM. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, a coach oh, yeah. who was... You know, I mean, I know Jerry Reese was internal, but uh, or was he internal? Was Jerry yeah, he was. Internal? He was. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Uh, but still, Coughlin was going to be fired. He was on his way out. The team was, mm-hmm. you know, in disarray. They had a disappointing franchise quarterback, by the way, because if Twitter if Twitter had existed in 2007, Eli Manning would have been run out of town before the playoffs started. Oh yeah. Um, uh, and they had a you know a struggling franchise quarterback, a coach who was going to be fired, and the GM who was new to the position was forced to keep him was not allowed to fire him. And basically he had one Coughlin had one year. If Coughlin doesn't win that Super Bowl, good chance Coughlin gets fired. Right. So there is a precedent for it right here in town. The other yeah. uh the other last thing I wanted to touch on um was uh, real quick was we we had sort of agreed on this and I wanted to mention it because uh, it's time for me to get my super early draft crush quarterback out there. Um <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. And uh, it, we had mentioned I'm all in favor of. I actually talked about this with Wayne Krebet on Twitter. Believe it or not. Yeah. I'm actually I think uh, could be in favor of trading Antonio Cromartie this coming season um, to try to recoup a draft pick, and also because he frees up a great deal of cap room, as we were just talking right. about. Um, you, you know, I think it's seven or eight million dollars you get for trading him. Right. 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 Um. And, you know, you're going to have two corners, that much money invested. I know Darrell is coming back from an injury. But let me just put you – let me give you this one. So, okay, we trade trade Cromartie and a second. Or a third, but I'd prefer uh, – I'd prefer a third, but a second. To the Washington Redskins for Kirk Cousins. Then you trade back Justin, in the first Justin, round. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You're saying, okay. you saying Antonio Cromartie – and a second or third for just Kirk Cousins. For just Kirk, and maybe a later round pick, maybe like a fourth or a fifth or something. Okay. 
And then we trade back in the first round, as you said yesterday, trade back, you know, trade the nine back to like 28, 29 and recoup that second round pick. Um, and we have Kirk Cousins nice. No good? I'm not I'm not as high on Kirk Cousins. I think he's still – he's had, what, one or, one or two games? Yeah, but something it's not the games. He was a pretty good prospect at Michigan State and stuff. I mean, I went with his, his draft scout stuff. You know, the, the thing I have is right now Antonio Cromartie's value is never – it's never going to be higher than it is right now. True. So for, so what I was thinking was trading trade him to somewhere like the Bucks, who desperately need a cornerback, who have a lot of cap room, um, and they'll they have obviously draft picks. Right. And I would trade him to them, trade to him for. I would just give him straight for a second, a second or a third rounder. Right. Um, oh, and I think Cooper. I think he has more value than just Kirk Cousins with a second combined. Okay. And uh, by the uh, way, that quarterback we're looking for is Zach Dyser. Zach Dyser. Everybody. I love my, Zach Dyser from Miami of Ohio. Can probably yep. be had in the second or third round, depending on how he yep. does at the combine. Um, I've watched a lot of film of him, Cal. A lot of film. Yeah, I he's. You, um, I sent you some film, Cal. I don't doubt that. <laughs> we have a Adam profile of him up on Gangrene Nation. You can always read that. Yes, I saw that, and uh, I was ecstatic uh, because uh, that's my QB crush. Yeah, crushing hard. I, I agree. You know, he's um, after Geno Smith. He's probably my favorite quarterback in the draft. He, he runs. He, every time I watch him, I, see, I keep thinking of watching Ben Roethlisberger. Just the way he, he's not a scrambler, like uh, he can't run it like RG3, but he can keep a play alive. Yep. Yeah, like um, like uh, Mark Sanchez used to. And you know, the, the exact opposite of what the exact thing is the exact opposite of Mark Sanchez is that he's throughout his entire time at Miami of Ohio, he's put the entire team on his back. Yeah. He's really he's really the only talented player on that team. Yeah, it's a really um, bad team. Yeah. So he's the, in that way he's the opposite of Sanchez. Sanchez never really had to put a team on his back. Right. No, it's so true. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm in love. And, I'm in love with Dyser. <laughs> That's all right. Good. And since you mentioned Sanchez, Scott, the last thing for me is: Do you think that he's part of this team next year? Yeah, I don't think. I think if they can trade him, they will. But I don't think they're going to be able to. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 think I mean, I agree they might be able to for like a seventh round pick, but they're yeah. not. You can't well, sell that. They're going to have to send. They might have to trade him and send a pick with it. Yeah. You know what I mean, and like five million dollars. You know, I don't. Yeah, I, bag. I think it just. I think it really all just depends on who the GM is and who the offensive coordinator. It really does. If they get, let's just say hypothetically, they get Tom Gamble and they get um, uh, Norv Turner. Okay, mm-hmm. and Norv comes in and says, "You know what?" He pulls a Rick Peterson and says, yeah. <laughs> "And says I can fix him." Yeah. You know, I, I can fi- draft me a quarterback. Okay, we're going to draft one. Mm-hmm. You know, name Zach Dyser. Uh, but I, yeah, but I can fix him. Give me a year with him. Give me a year to try to fix him. And it actually costs them less to keep him to do that, yeah. than it would be to cut him. So hey, I even could, if they got, even if they just cut him or something like that, they'd still have to get another quarterback. Exactly, exactly. And then Sanchez becomes the veteran that was yeah. being brought in to compete. With Zach Dyser. Uh, yeah, that's my my ideal situation would be they let Sanchez start for another year, and and let Dyser sit on the bench, see what not to do, <laughs> and then bring Dyser in next year. Right. Or the year after, I mean. It could it could happen. Well, either way, this guy's going to be a, a magnificently fascinating off season. Yeah. 
the, the one good. of the best in recent history. Uh, Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Uh, no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Spend time with us. Go check out gangreennation.com. Um, keep up the great work over there, and uh, do come back when we uh, when we uh, when we do the draft stuff and and stuff like that. Sounds good. Well, I, just went, I just went Rex there and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Scott. Take care. Thanks, Scott. Yeah, bye. All right, so that was uh, Scott Salmon, uh, managing editor of gangreennation.com. And wow, we did an hour and ten. Lots of stuff. There was a lot of stuff. But you know what? It really, it, and, and we see this whenever we have a guy like that on. It's, it's so great to talk to somebody who has taken a prominent place in the, in that blogosphere yeah. where he's a voice of the fans yeah. and he's level-headed and he thinks like most of the fans do. Yep. You know, it's it's just it's refreshing to, to have that conversation. We had an intelligent conversation with this guy. It wasn't, you know, we weren't being told what we were supposed to think about and what we were supposed to talk about. <laughs> right. It's, it's just, nice. It's nice. It's it's nice to talk Jets football. And we didn't, unfortunately, we didn't get to talk as much about actual football unfortunately, with this team. But we'll do that another time with Scott once we get past this ridiculousness. Because whoever comes in, I guarantee you, Cal, is going to be like the new sheriff in town, whether Rex is here or not. Or not. You know, Patton's going to be gone. The entire coaching staff's going to be gone. Well, the only the only way to really affect the change is to bring in the opposite of what has not been working. Yep. You know, so, you know, the 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 brashness of the organization for four years and thinking that they were better than they were and they could coach anybody up, I think that's all going to change yep. if if the new general manager brings in his own coach. Yeah, although, you know what, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I don't, know, that, I don't know if that's a necessity to change, the, to change things. I don't know if it is. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, listen, let's give this guy, I'm about to bring this guy in, let's give him five minutes. We owe him five minutes. You know who it is. We're about to talk about the NFL playoffs this weekend. We owe him five minutes. We do. We do. It's only right. He's had a great year. He's had a tremendous year, and he told us he would. Here he is, direct from Indianapolis, Indiana, in the heartland of America. Hi, Elwood. How are you, pal? Oh, I'm doing amazing. Uh, Colts are in the playoffs, just like I said. They are? All the, oh, Colts are in the playoffs. <laughs> and all they got to do is beat the Purple Birds. You know, yeah. I'm loving it. Grown men don't wear purple. You know, uh, I love the love it, love it. You know, legend yeah. has it the Colts came here on the Mayflower years ago. So, you know, <laughs> from Baltimore. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it. Yeah, no, we got it. That's a good one. Hey, listen, uh, congratulations on the season. On the season, it's, it's, and uh, it's been it's been amazing. It really has. Oh, it's been a wild ride. I never dreamed. I mean, I was there when Peyton. I was there Peyton's first game in the RCA Dome, or sorry, Hoosier Dome at that time. Yeah. And uh, he wasn't this good this quick. It took Peyton about four years to be this good. I mean, just to get where luck is. And wow, I mean. I realize, you know, things have come a long way and quarterbacks coming, you know, are better every year, but wow. And Reggie Wayne, I mean, the dude's in his mid thirties, he's playing like he's twenty. I mean and and then and then the coach, 
gets leukemia, and they call some guy on his way to retirement to come. Co- they still get in the playoffs. It's like everything that could go wrong went wrong, and they fixed it on the fly. Yep. Uh, it was amazing. Because Absolutely. last year, Peyton gets a stiff neck and everything falls apart like Jenga. You know, and this year the same thing happened and they got better. I mean, and I was a little nervous going into this because I thought, can they, can they really beat the big teams, you know? But when they beat Texas the other day, I was like, cha-ching. You know, that yeah. proved it all. They took yeah. down Green Bay with the great Aaron Rodgers, and they took down Texas, and Texas had everything going in that game for home field advantage. That game meant nothing to the Colts, you right. know, and they still beat them. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, and, you know, and the – Oh, and then I found out it was the Ravens, and I was even more happy. Yeah, <laughs> there's some, nice, like, there's some yeah. nice symmetry there. Elwood, talk to talk to us about this game this weekend. Give us a little X's oh, and O's. Yeah. Give us well, a little breakdown. Okay. What do you What do you see? Well, I think the Ravens only have two things going for them. One, their QB, you know, retiring all that crap. You know, we got to win one for the Gipper. But the second one, and I was listening to a Baltimore radio show, and ninety percent of it was just purple chimps yelling into a mic. But they had a uh, newspaper guy on from there in Baltimore. He brought up a good point. Andrew Luck gets intimidated with in big stadiums outside his comfort zone with you know intimidating crowds, you know, and that's the way it's going to be in Baltimore to the nth degree. And I thought that may be a positive factor in the Ravens' favor. You know, I mean that's how Andrew Luck just got intimidated when they played the crop dusters in New York. You know, I mean they brought out right. some poop boy and stuff. I mean there's no way a team. The Jets in their current state should not have beat a team like the Colts. He just got intimidated. But I think this also, I think this reporter's overemphasizing how prestigious and important it is to play in Baltimore. You know, it isn't like right. going to New York it or is a, Chicago. It, or, it's a tremendous home field advantage, though, Elwood. It it's is. Probably, it is. It's probably, they're probably the second hardest team to beat in the NFL at home. They, they are. probably are. And, and us, and especially for us, because we get little things no one else does. I mean, we're the only NFL team who is referred to by their city and not their name on the scoreboard. Right. Right. And we're the only NFL team that's introduced as the city's professional team and not the team in their name. You right. know, so yeah. I mean, my first Baltimore game was a little eye-opening, you know. But I wore my Indianapolis Orioles shirt, so I didn't care. Bring it on, you know. <laughs> but. Um, what uh, what do you you know? Uh, the, obviously, you mentioned the, the Ray Lewis factor, which I don't think will be here. I mean, what are they going to do? I think well, I think it'll be somewhat. They'll want to win. Yeah, but I mean, but but what are they going to play harder? <laughs> yeah, I do because I saw my team do it with Chuck Strong. With just, I tell you what, that's the different. Though. That man stuff stood on the field. They were just galvanized. You know, I think that's different. I think with with uh, with Chuck Pagano, it's, it's a fantastic story, and and you have to be. Completely heartless to not uh, to really not well, you know, I mean, find yeah. it uh, amazing and and really inspiring and stuff this year and and for them to do what they've done with such a young team that was supposed to be rebuilding around this great quarterback is is really fantastic. But um, I I think they have a fantastic shot in this game. I'm going to say fantastic some more times. I think they have a great shot in this game. I really I do, do. Too, because they've really rebuilt and I Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck have a good rapport that they've got like instantly. And I mean, the whole, they've pulled a few new people in, and I like them. And I, they got rid of the dead weight, 
And yep. to be truthful, if Pigano does go with the Baltimore, like they say, I think that's really going to galvanize him. I think him and Harry can work well together. It's a shame he yeah. can't have, like, multiple coaches on the yeah. team. Well, I mean, you yeah. know, I, I think Arian uh, has played himself, obviously, in, or, or positioned himself really well to maybe get a head job himself. But, you know, um, you know, it, they, I I think from an X's and O's standpoint here, Elwood, I think obviously your big concern is Ray Rice. I think you want to uh-huh. make sure that you, you don't let – the thing with the Ravens is if they get into any sort of offensive – you could have good Flacco or bad Flacco, but if they get into any sort of offensive flow with the screen game or maybe they're, you know, they're running the – you know, running uh, – uh, Ray Rice, you know, rips off a big chunk here or there, and then they get the screen game going, and then they just go up top to Torrey Smith or whatever. You really have to, uh, uh, you know, just go I, – I think go after Ray Rice right off the bat Make sure that you stop that, uh, and then let your corners play. Because uh, you know, depending on the situation, uh, they may just ask Joe Flacco to go out there and win the game. Um, I agree. And don't what you think do happened you, in Indy? Wouldn't it, don't you wish it was an in Indy though? That would like totally change it, the dynamics. It, it, it really would because, because the, Ravens, the Ravens are not a great road team, and the Colts are, are are not a great road team either because they're young, so they're not a great road team yet. Um, so I, I think if this game is an indie, I, it's it, to me it's a pick 'em game. I mean it really is. You know I give what? I give a big advantage, not a big advantage. I give advantage to the Ravens just because it is hard to go into that building and win, um, yeah. especially for for a young quarterback. I agree, I agree, and it's a hostile turf, and it always will oh, be yeah. for these two teams. Oh, because, especially you know. especially for the Colts. It's probably yeah. no more hostile turf you can step into. Well, uh, in our view, is we wish we'd have took the Orioles while we were there. We need a better. Yeah, right. <laughs> Maybe we could but, have got yeah. Cal Ripken while we were there. Exactly. Oh, I, if, if oh, if the Orioles would move to Indianapolis, they would be good within four years. You know, but that's another story. But um, yeah, I am. I, um, I I don't know, guys. I just have a good feeling about it. But I'm with you. There's so many factors involved. But man, if the Colts can just hang in there a few more times, this is such a good learning experience for luck. Oh. That, because, that you can't you can't possibly put a put a uh, you know well, a, a value on that. It's a fantastic learning experience for him to get in the playoffs his first year. Because really, he's he's because I think it's unfair the way they're comparing him to RG three. I honestly think he's better, but I think he's just RG three's just I don't know clicking better for some reason. But I also think RG three is another Bob Sanders, a really talented person who's going to be hurt a lot. Well, I've seen Luck get just pummeled and get up and away you go. Reggie Wayne one time ran over to him and said, "Are you all right?" And he said, "It's football." You know, so, <laughs> That's so awesome. It's That's football. Awesome. I like I like I like um, I like Luck's style. And Peyton has the whole stadium trained to be quiet at certain times and yell at certain. You know, it's kind of funny. He walked into the Peyton system and it seems to work for him crowd wise. But you know, the twelfth man, I should say. But I don't know. I'm ready. Um, we just want him to get like get all these. Uh, Get his training in. Nobody's expecting a Super Bowl win, but I tell you, next year when he plays Peyton, when Denver faces off against the Colts, that's going to be tremendous. Oh, the so, pressure's on for this kid. <laughs> Elwood, there's there's no reason why he can't play Peyton in a couple of weeks. Yeah, you think we're a little nervous this year, but then again, I'm I'm I was I was I was so disappointed Peyton left. It took me a few months to get over it, you know. But yeah, I don't that's know true. if he could take Peyton yet or not because he couldn't take Brady. Yeah, but then again. Here was my philosophy on that Patriots game. Peyton couldn't beat the Patriots on the Broncos, so he probably wouldn't have beat them on the Colts. So I was, I was, and I thought Luck held his own pretty good, to be honest. I mean, and the Gronk got hurt, so hey, even better. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and they gave so, him and they gave him a lot of points in that game. That was a good learning experience for. Yeah, for that's why I said I wasn't no. too worried about. That. I really didn't. The past game, the only game they lost, I thought they'd kick some butt was the Jets. You know, I don't figure. I couldn't figure that one. Other than that, all the games. Yeah, well, nobody can figure that game out. Well, nobody actually, can figure that team out. So. Down me on Green Bay. They went in there and kicked some butt on Green Bay. I was proud yeah. of them. The yeah. Green Bay game and the, this last, this final Texans game has changed my opinion of them to where maybe they can't take a big team. So right, we'll see. But uh, why wouldn't a Super Bowl run be fun? I mean, nobody. It sure would. It sure yeah, would. Yeah, we should have been last and, year. And imagine that RG three makes a run there too, and they meet in the Super Bowl. They yeah, that, that everyone here is still sore of RG three and the Pro Bowl and luck. Yeah, it's a little RG three isn't a good topic. I like talking to you guys about it because you don't get frowns. <laughs> <laughs> here in town, you don't bring up RG three much. I tell you what, we we you know over here where where uh, there are no quarterbacks, uh, we. Uh, <laughs> we, we we like them both. We think it's going to be a great debate going forward, like one of those great sports debates that you have. You know, who who would you rather have and who's better and stuff. And I, to be honest with you, I would. I don't think you go wrong with either guy. Uh, you know, you're talking about Mark Sanchez. Today I was talking to a buddy of mine out in Denver because we call each other constantly, you know, because of Peyton and Luck thing. It just worked out. But he says, how do you feel about um, about Sanchez coming to Indianapolis to back up Luck? And I said, where'd you hear that? And he said, well, I'm just – Thinking, I'm just thinking. I'm like, no, yeah. I'd rather have Curtis Painter back. Yeah, I think <laughs> we'd rather have uh, uh, Pablo Picasso. Any painter would do, would be fine. Oh, Better Curtis than Mark Painter. Painter. Well, you know, Curtis Painter there, maybe the Jets answer. There you go. I, <laughs> think, we're okay. was, I, I think we're okay. I don't, I don't think we need Curtis <laughs> Painter. Although, you know, I was talking to some thing. Eagles fans. I mean, to ramble. I was talking to some Eagles fans, and I said, why don't you people get Bruce Arian on the Eagles to coach? Well, he's sixty, and I thought, yeah, that's probably be their mindset, you know. Well, they can't. can't they, they can't talk to him yet. That t- you know, that city in a lot of ways, I would, and you probably know this from talking to fans yeah. there. That city's rough. I mean, New York is rough. Philly is rough. Oh, uh, I know. And it's, and they better they better have a coach in place, and it better be a big name by like yesterday. You know, they're not they're not, they're not going to wait out a Colts playoff run to go for a six year old guy. They're they're going for the big name, and and that oh. owner wants the big name there too. You know, so they're, they're spoiled. You know what, too, though they're spoiled. We always laugh at them here in Indy because they've got a hockey team, a baseball team, a basketball team, football. You know, and they just cry around the whole time, and we're over here begging for hockey teams, begging for baseball okay. teams, growing you know our. Not about the Philly. About Philly. you haven't lived. You've had somebody from Philly say there's no big events in our town. I'm like, yeah. you stupid. What name one thing in Philly? Name one thing in Philly that is as big as Indianapolis 500. Name one event that even comes close. They shut up real quick. I don't know if you can name anything in the country that's as big as the Indianapolis 500. Well, it's super probably. Actually, no, I believe, hey, you ready for this? In worldwide viewership, the Indianapolis 500 smokes the Super Bowl. Yeah, I believe it. I worldwide. Because do you honestly think people in Japan or Italy care about the Super Bowl? But they're glued to that 500. Hey, you leave us Italians alone. We like it a Super Bowl. Super <laughs> hey, Bowl no, they they love their IndyCar race. Don't kid yourself. Half the time it's an Italian who wins it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, guys, I got to get out of here. Got to yeah, get up early. It's good talking to you. Glad to see the show's on. I'm, I'm pumped. And good luck, good luck this weekend. And if they win, give us a shout back, brother. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to wear my Mayflower shirt that day. So yeah. rub good it back. in. All see right. you, buddy. All right. Uh, so Elwood uh, checks in. We owed him that. He sure is excited. Yeah, uh, he should be. I would be excited too, Cal. Yeah. Now listen, it's uh, it's eleven oh nine. Okay. Uh, uh, we had a Piazza thing, but I think since we're talking about the NFL playoffs, we can move Piazza to next week. Well, here's the thing: next week 
is when they're going to announce who is uh, made who who's being inducted into the Hall of Fame next year. Next when? Next. It's before next Thursday. By the time we come on next week, we will have. Oh, so we got to talk about it. We could talk about it now. Or we could talk about it then. Well, let's okay. Let's let's talk about it quickly now. Let's because let's we let's, we've yeah, lost let's, P, we've lost PJ, so we don't have a fun load. All right, but this will be fun. Let's well, let's touch on it now. <laughs> okay. And then see what happens next week to see how much further we have to go with it next week. Okay, but can we do three minutes, just a couple minutes, just to finish up the NFL playoffs? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. The matchups this weekend, obviously, Elwood led us into the Indianapolis Colts and the Baltimore Ravens. Great matchup. You know, the other thing that, that he didn't mention is it's Chuck Pagano returning to Baltimore. Right. He did. He sort of got at that. Did he? He did. He 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 sort of got at that. But yes, it's it's huge. Um, I mean, but, you know, it, there there are a ton of storylines for that game. I don't love the the Texans Cincinnati rematch. I'm not as not as pumped about that. Well, he, well, what's what? What I like about it is that Houston is really a fascinating team to watch, considering where they were four weeks ago, right? And this collapse at the end of the year—they're reeling. They're they're the definition of reeling. Everybody has the smart money on uh, uh, on Cincinnati. I feel like I feel like everybody's leaning towards Cincinnati here. I don't know. I can't. I can't. I can't pick Cincinnati in this game. I don't think. Not in Texas. No. Not in no. Houston. I think that's, I that's think, a pretty good place to play too. This reminds me a little bit of the of the '86 Jet season. Not to bring up wow. old wounds. Wow. But um, you uh, you come not, too deep there. Maybe you want to step out of the room for a second. It's gonna take a minute. While I talk about this. No, I mean dominating first three quarters of the season, reeling at the end of the season, and then they won their first play. They won their wild card game against the Chiefs that year. Thirty-five ten. I can see Houston coming in and 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 winning this game against Cincinnati. Yeah, and at then, home. Right. At home, and then having a real tough time next week with either Denver or the Patriots. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. That's a similar, good. That's similar a, that's, to that. Yep, that's an excellent analogy. Good, real good running back, Freeman McNeil. Yep. And uh, Arian Foster. Um, okay, and then the matchups in the NFC. Much more intriguing to me. Wow. Much, much more. The NFC has been much more fascinating to me this year than the AFC. I agree. Do do, do tell. Tell me but, why. Why? Well, let's let's look at the Redskins and the Seahawks. Un, uh, is there a hotter team than the Seahawks? Uh, the Redskins could if, be hotter than the Seahawks. The Seahawks have scored 873 points in the last three games. The Redskins have won six games in a row. Seven. Seven games in a row? Yep. Six, seven games in a row, yes. Yeah. Uh, both teams are hot as a firecracker. Rookie quarterbacks facing off against each other in the yes. playoffs. One much heralded, one taken a little later. Come on, it's just that it's just it's a, it's. I'm looking forward to watching that game. I think what it's a you, fun game. Have you seen any of Seattle on this run? Just just the Jet game, but that was before the run. Right, uh, but on this three-game terror dome that they're putting on, I see. I watched most of the San Francisco game. Uh huh. And uh, wow. Wow, they're not kidding around. I mean, I know they pasted like the Bills in there and stuff, and no, but they pasted San Francisco. But they, yeah, they've scored 150 points in their last three games. You know, uh, and they're calling fake punts up 50 to nothing. Yeah, well, Pete Carroll's having a good time out there. Yeah, well, you know that fun usually ends in a rough way. Yes, 
but they're, they're careful. They, this is uh, this is uh, they go into DC. I right? think they're, but again, I think I think the Seahawks are a little bit of a different team away from Seattle. Yeah, yeah, I think that's obviously. I, I mean, that neutralizes them a little bit. We're not exactly shedding any sort of light on, <laughs> but they're they're a much better uh, home team than oh, I thought. Teams. I thought I was. I would, that was my breaking analysis. I've been studying a lot of film with this team. Yeah. And I've come to the conclusion that they're much better at home yes. than they are on the road. Look uh, for that on Sunday. And then the other game is... Uh, the Packers and the Vikings. Packers and Vikings rematch from last week. I, I think the Packers are going to kill the Vikings this week. Really? Yeah. Why? Well, the Vikings beat them last week in Minnesota. Right. Uh, cost, cost the Packers the bye. Right. So the Packers are playing this week because of what happened last week when they should have yeah. been home. You have a uh, – the the Vikings are interesting in that they're trying to be like the 9 Jets, basically, or, or 10 Jets, where they're completely predicated on a ground game. They have a quarterback who's at best a game manager. If that team gets down 10 points – well, I mean, they did last week, but – um, and they were able to come back. But I, I still think on the road in the playoffs, that team gets down 10, 10 points or two touchdowns. Uh, it's a tall order to ask Christian Ponder to bring them back in Lambeau Field. Um, I think so. But if they can get ahead and play ahead and play keep away, um, you know, maybe they have a shot in that game. But uh, I think you're right. Uh, let's do it this way. Uh, you're only allowed to watch one game this weekend. What game are you watching? Redskins, Seahawks. Absolutely. No doubt. No doubt. And and it may turn out that I am only allowed to watch one game as well. It's <laughs> a very realistic scenario I've just presented to you. <laughs> Since the Jets are not in it, I think that that would be the game. Okay. And my picks, and I want to hear your picks, I'm going with the Redskins. I'm okay. going with the Packers. Okay. I'm going with the Texans. Okay. And I'm going to go with the Colts. Wow. That's my well, upset. Can you, yeah, can you ring a bell or something? When you I wish do I had a bell to ring upset of the week. Like a horn or like a kazoo. <laughs> Auga. Who you, who do you like? Who you got? <laughs> wow. Why did did Jim, did Jimmy the Greek just show up? Like when when did we become CBS Sports from 1983? Uh, you were live at Lambeau Field. <laughs> you went Brent, Mar- uh, Brent Musburger on me. I didn't mean to. I feel like Greek. I just hey Steve, who do you like in these games this weekend? Now we'll turn it over to Gre- Greek. Who you like? Here's the thing, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Be very careful. These guys. <laughs> Tread lightly with Jimmy the Greek. Yeah. <laughs> Any Jimmy the Greek impression? There's no statute of limitations on that. It's <laughs> 20 years later. <laughs> yeah, what Jimmy the Greek said will always pretty much be wrong. Yeah, yeah. Can't, uh, no way around that one. Here's the thing, Brian. If you're going inside the numbers... You have to love the Colts. But if you're not going inside the numbers and you're just picking from a standpoint of the better team at home, you got to go with the Ravens. Me? <laughs> I can't keep up with Jimmy the Greek impression. First of all, the guy's been dead for 15 years. I don't even know if that was an accurate impression. <laughs> no one would. No one would. No. No one's seen tape of Jimmy the Greek since 1982. Oh, boy. Here's the thing. Um, I like the. Falk, I think. <laughs> what? Should, we have, should we have Peter Falk do the picks? Uh, one more thing, Bry. Uh, I'm just I'm curious. Why? 
Why is Colombo picking the 2013 <laughs> NFL playoffs? We are really, once again, spot on. Here we go. <laughs> Reference-wise. Really good job, everybody. Uh, good hustle. Here comes the obligatory love boat reference. That's right. Um, four years of this. Four years. <laughs> Um, can you tell me who you like in these games? <laughs> Please tell me who you're picking in these games. Uh, I like the Ravens at home. Okay. I like um, uh, the Texans as well at home. I like the Seahawks over the Redskins on the road. Ooh. And I like the Packers at home. Okay. So that's where I'm going. And if I have one game to watch this weekend, it is also uh, Redskins and Seahawks. Fascinating game. And I can't I can't get enough of watching RG3. I really can't. <sighs> it really is fun to watch. I didn't want to say it to Elwood, but I I'm sorry. I can't I just I can't he's a pure passer, Cal. All right. I wanna look here, you know what since we're doing football and maybe we maybe we save the the Piazza stuff till next week. Yeah, the, the the long story short is that a bunch of sports writers apparently who have Hall of Fame votes uh, decided that they're not going to vote for Mike Piazza on his first ballot. This is the first year he's eligible, and uh, they have various reasons. Ken Davidoff's was uh, based on war, based solely on war. So really, which was a, which was a really important statistic when Mike Piazza played. Yeah. Also, a statistic no one had ever heard of. Then that's what I'm saying. Right. Uh, it's also not a great measuring stick to use after a career as a as a measuring stick of a career. It's a much better statistic used during a career to see uh, how the player helps the team. And of course, sabermeticians everywhere, especially Met fan ones, are going, "Are you effing kidding me? <laughs> that you're choosing his war." over the fact that he's the best offensive catcher ever. And you don't care about PEDs. Like, Davidoff doesn't care about the PED stuff. That's what he says. Right. It has no bearing on his vote. It's strictly based on war. Great. Allow me to, allow me to say as someone who sort of likes advanced metrics, but wasn't really sold, you're ruining it. You're ruining it. Um, and then uh, guys like Adam Rubin, uh, Ken Rosenthal wrote uh, an, uh, an article explaining his Hall of Fame vote that he doesn't vote for first-time ballot guys who are part of the PED generation, who played in that era. He'll vote for them eventually, maybe, but he will not put them in the Hall of Fame on the first ballot. And his he says that enough people... Because people immediately said, well, if everybody thinks like you, then a person like Mike Piazza will disappear from the ballot forever if he doesn't get a certain percentage of votes. Because that's the way it works. That's right. To which his response was, I'm pretty sure not everybody votes like me. So I'm comfortable with Mike Piazza, if everybody does think the way he does, he's comfortable with Mike Piazza. Mike Piazza. Never on a list. 
No, you know, no, never in the Mitchell report, never tested positive, nothing. Aged the way a baseball player is supposed to age, was good from the beginning of his career on, had seasons at catcher that have never been had before from an offensive standpoint, ever. And is the leading home run hitting catcher of all time. He's comfortable that Mike Piazza may be off the ballot for good and never get in the Hall of Fame. Of course, he was questioned about, uh, well, what about Derek Jeter when it's Derek Jeter's time? Or Greg Maddox, which is coming up. And Ken's really gutty reply was, well, obviously, there'll be exceptions. I see. At which point his bow tie spun around <laughs> like it was a, a top. So, Can, uh, I'm sorry, I did it. No, 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 it's fine. And I just, my question to you, Sam Pete, if that is your real nickname, <laughs> or so you say, yeah. Have you ever in your life seen a spinning bow tie? <laughs> yes. Seen a spinning bow tie? on a group of people that are on a power trip like these writers that have Hall of Fame votes are, that just, they seem to think they are acting like God. It's unbelievable. I mean, they are spending thousands and thousands of words justifying their votes as if they're, as if it's that important. It's, it's staggering. Never seen anything like it. I mean, specifically this year, and it's just like they've all went up to holier than thou mountains. <laughs> you know, they climbed. They you know they put their back little backpacks on their back with their laptops and took their staffs and they climbed the mountain together. And now they're shouting from the top of the mountain and looking down on all of the rest of us who don't have Hall of Fame votes. So we're obviously not as good as them and don't know anything about baseball. Wouldn't know the first thing about baseball. Wouldn't not even remotely qualified to even talk about who should be in the Hall of Fame, much less vote on who's there. And this year, especially, I guess, I guess because we've entered the PED era of eligible candidates, Clemens Bonds, right? Yeah, I mean they've they've all decided Sosa this year, right. Palmero, they've all decided we are now going to preach to everybody, and but and and to be fair. You're getting the – they're preaching from all angles. They're preaching on why guys shouldn't make it in. They're preaching on guys why should, guys should make it in. And it's just, it's just too much this year. Too much. Obviously, for the first time in some time, we have a dog in the race. Wait a minute. First time in ever. Since Seaver. Yeah, since Seaver. We Well, no, since Carter got in, and we wanted Carter to go in as a Met, and he went in as an Expo. That's right. Which he didn't have a choice about. Um, but uh, and, if they want, and if they decide to put Piazza in as a Dodger, then we don't care about this either. That's not at all true. I'm just joking. See, I didn't have a problem with them putting Carter in as an Expo because he would be the only Expo in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I was joking. Um, no, 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 that's a, that's a, that's a whole fun load. Um, that's not fun. No, but um, obviously we have a dog in the pony show. We have a, a pony in the race. We have a horse uh, race going on. On the mantle. <laughs> Correct. 
uh, with Mike Piazza here. But this is something that really we're going to need a whole show because, um, or at least, and we we need to bring in Flood, we need to bring in Ted Berg, we need to bring in our Mets guys. Well, that'll be a hall. Of, that'll be an RTU Hall of Fame special. Right. Let's bring in Dan too. Let's bring in our buddy Nello, who's a great bas- baseball fan. Maybe we can get Rich to come in, who's a great baseball fan. You know, talk about because there are so many angles to this conversation. Um, it's a it's a really fantastic discussion. But and and we're and I really want to. I'm serious. We should do a special Hall of Fame. Well, that's why I said it. Right. I wasn't I wasn't being sarcastic. <laughs> no, 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 you say that, sir. I believe we should do that. I agree. Say what? Meeting is adjourned. It is? No, 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 you say that, sir. Say what? Meeting is adjourned. It is? Um But you you hit the nail on the head, Cal. The 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 you have to go read Rosenthal's article because he he actually had a line in it, and this is about the PED stuff, with specifically with the Hall of Fame, where he said, "People have told me, and I'm paraphrasing, but people have told me that you know we're not the we're not the uh, the, the keepers of the Baseball Hall of Fame or whatever. You're not judge and jury. We are." <laughs> I don't mean to laugh. <laughs> but I can I can actually see him just dripping with sanctimony. As he's writing it. We are. Newsflash. We are the judge and jury. Do they get badges? Like 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 sheriff's uh, badges that they could show? Like There were so many. And, and of course, uh, our friend Adam Rubin, uh, who covers the Mets uh, for ESPN, uh, has uh, jumped on this bandwagon too and is not voting for Mike Piazza. I, I assume maybe for this. He is voting for Jeff Bagwell this year, as is Ken Rosenthal. So Bagwell, Bagwell passed the first year not on the ballot. Did you see Bagwell's numbers, by the way? Yes. They're insane. Yes. He is a fir- he should have been a first ballot Hall of Famer, period. Ridiculous that he was not. Ridiculous. So, and it's going to be ridiculous if Mike Piazza doesn't get in. But, Brian, this reasoning of making them wait a year like, what is that doing? It's so counterintuitive. So you're telling me, you're basically trying to punish them for playing in the same era with no proof for playing in the same era as other people who use PEDs. So next year, is Mike Piazza more of a Hall of Famer than he is this year? Like, And he was asked that, and he's like, see my response. Lazy. <laughs> no, your response is not su- sufficient. He's either a Hall of Famer or not. I'm speechless. I know, and 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 the PED thing has just really thrown a fly into this whole ointment. Oh man! And it's the monkey in the wrench. It's it really it's, but and I get it. I I get how. Look, I I make fun, but I get that if you're a writer with this responsibility, you're taking this right this responsibility seriously. Absolutely, I get that. You don't have to tell me how how seriously you're taking it. <laughs> I'm good. I don't need to know that this is important. I you know I get it. 
See, I disagree with you, Bri. I I think what Davidoff did, is, and we're going to lose the live feed in about 60 seconds, but we're going to keep going. So please check out www.rtusports.com. You can subscribe to the podcast there uh, and download this gem of an episode uh, tomorrow. Thanks to Scott Salmon from the gang, uh, Gangrene Nation. Uh, dot com, who is the managing editor there, and thank him for coming on and writing a great article. And next time, Scott, we will definitely talk X's and O's, man. But uh, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, live uh, uh, RTU coming to you on January 24th, Thursday night, live from Blue Haven. Go to www.bluehavennyc.com for details. And we will be back next week with potentially two shows because we may need a Hall of Fame show. So Cal, live feed going away. Uh, awesome job. Thanks to PJ. He's working very hard tonight. Thank him for producing. We love yeah, everyone. Him. And uh, we'll see you live uh, again next week. Now, just to finish this up, David Off, uh, Ken David Off, uh, uh, I think he's at the Post now, right? Um, he's at the Post, yes. Uh, Ken David Off wrote an explanation of why he voted the way he did. So he put what he was voting, and then he wrote the explanation. I I think that's great. I don't mind him seeing into why he takes the vote very seriously and what his reasoning was uh, behind each guy. But when questioned, you need to do better than, well, that's just the way I feel, or in Ken Rosenthal's case, judge and jury. You know, you need to do, I'm sorry, you need to do better than that. Uh, because this is a passionate thing. People are. I'm passionate uh, about the idea of Mike Piazza getting into the Hall of Fame on his first ballot. He's the best offensive catcher that ever played, or arguably. But he's one of them. He plays a you know a position that's scarce in the in the Hall of Fame. He's got the numbers. He never tested positive. I mean, we go through it over and over again. Same thing for Bagwell. So. I don't have a problem with them explaining why they vote the way they do, but when they're questioned on it, you've got to do better than I'm judging jury. Brian, do you think it's their responsibility to act as a keeper of the Hall of Fame? No, I don't. What is their responsibility as a, as a voter for the Baseball Hall of Fame? Their responsibility is to put – well, maybe I guess as I'm about to say it, Maybe that is their responsibility. Their respons- my, the way I perceive it is that they're responsible for, for evaluating a, any eligible player, that any player that's eligible for the Hall of Fame to be voted in, it's the writer's responsibility to evaluate that player's... And det- that's, that's, that's what I perceive their responsibility to be. Now, uh, obviously it's not as black and white is that especially right now because you're 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 talking about players that played in an era where there were some things going on that shouldn't have been going on that might have affected performance because you can go back i mean the the famous argument is you go back to Ty Cobb who was just you know the wor- uh, by all accounts the worst human being that ever lived he went in the hall of fame on First, he's he in the inaugural cap, class. Right, one of the first five to be voted in, you know. So he was, you know, it, it, writers back then obviously didn't take things as personally as writers do today. Well, there's the moral question of PEDs, and then there's the actual 
affecting performance question of PEDs. All right, okay, here's, here's another great example. Gaylord Perry cheated. He cheated. He used an illegal pitch. Illegal put a far, he put a foreign substance on a ball and threw it to make it do something that it shouldn't have done to gain a competitive advantage over the hitters that he was facing. He cheated. Flat out admitted he cheated. Wrote a book about it. <laughs> He's unabashed. They put him in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Used to skyride it. I mean, he's had no shame. He's taken out ads on public access. <laughs> has that, had that air message you know, attached to the plane at, the, at his Hall of Fame induction. I thought that was in poor class. Didn't care, put it up on the Jumbotron. Right, I thought that was in poor taste. When he, he had it skywritten at his Hall of Fame induction in Cooperstown, I cheated. Right. He had a t-shirt made. How is that different? It's not. It's not. And, you know, I I, I'm, I find myself, and, and maybe it's just be, maybe because Piazza is up for eligibility this year, or maybe it's just because we're entering into this phase of, of people that are going to be eligible, I find myself changing my tune on this. Whereas in the past, I was like, I really would rather not see guys that use performance-enhancing drugs in the Hall of Fame. I'm starting to come around to the fact that, you know, so many of them did, and it was part of that era, and you, you have no proof as to who did and who didn't. But you, can't, you can't just you can't paint them all guilty. You can't paint them all innocent either, but, you have, but I feel like if you played in that era and you were one of the best players of that era, you should be put in the Hall of Fame. And that's that's a that's a new thought for me too. Right. And it's not it's not quantifiable either. It's not. Oh, I know. Like it's it it's it's to me it's not. You can't. You can obviously see that Barry Bonds, uh, for example, gained a competitive advantage, but you can't quantify what it was. But and but, and he was a Hall of Fame player before he started doing it. Well, that's the thing. You know, and that's again for a whole other topic. Did he gain a competitive advantage? Right. Did Roger Clemens gain a competitive advantage? Look, this this goes to the conversation too about steroids and HGH, because yeah. to me HGH is far worse than steroids. It really is. The competitive advantage gained from HGH is you're on the field when you're not supposed to be. Right. Period. I, we I had a great conversation about this with Dan, and I would love to get our friend Dan, who's a doctor. Not that that has much to do with it, but um, but a great baseball fan, um, and uh, about HGH being far worse as far as gaining a competitive advantage. You can quantify the advantage you gain. Yeah. In that, you shouldn't be playing. If you can't play, you can't help your team win. And if you didn't take HGH and recover more quickly from an injury you wouldn't be on the field helping your team win. Like, that's a competitive advantage. You know, so to me, that's that's a, a differentiation that needs to be made. But it just, to, we're going we're gonna to have to do a show. We have to do a show. Yeah. Because it's it's just, it's fascinating to me. There are so many angles of it. Like, like I just remembered that Rosenthal said something else that made my head pop. And that was, you know, uh, about the idea that there's, it's it's 
are you judging the player by the 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 career that they had, or are you judging the player by the their uh, morals? You know, like was it questionable morally what they were doing, and how are you, as a sports writer, punishing a Mike Piazza, for example, by not putting him in on the first ballot when you were a sports writer at that time and completely turned a blind eye to what was going on. And now you're going to punish somebody who's probably innocent for something that you didn't think was that big of a deal at the time or didn't think was important enough to write about. You know, how how can you assert moral certitude over somebody when you were morally bankrupt yourself? You know, and Major League Baseball turned a blind eye. If Major League Baseball, and I know that the Baseball Hall of Fame is a completely separate entity from Major League Baseball. It's a completely separately run organization. But it would be nice if Major League Baseball was like, you know what, we screwed up. We allowed this to happen. We didn't really care because we were making money hand over fist. So you're going to go ahead and put these guys in because part of it is our fault. So I don't know. Ooh, it's hot. And it's going to get hotter <laughs> if the vote does not go the right way next week. Uh, I, I can just uh, – could you imagine a scenario where – because you have to get 5% of the vote. I, can, I I cannot I cannot imagine a scenario where he he falls doesn't off get five right if he doesn't get five percent but I'm just saying could you imagine that happens no that, that Rosenthal put his Ken Rosenthal put his idea out there and a lot of writers went like you know what I like that I agree and I don't somebody else will vote for him I can't imagine it I can't imagine it either but come with me to hypothetical land. Where my head explodes. Well, I'll tell you what. If ever there was a year for a guy like Alan Trammell to get in, this is the year. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, people, if people are thinking like that about Piazza and Bonds and, and, and Clemens and all of those guys, yep. they, they, they will say, ah, oh, you know what? Let's put Jack Morris in this year finally. Yep. You know? We'll show them. Yeah, and next year we'll put Piazza in. It's okay. And then, and then, and then what it will do, and then what it will do is it will taint... Poor Jack Morris or Alan Trammell. Right. And it'll, you want, and, it'll, and it'll water down the Hall of Fame. Because right. Alan Trammell's not a Hall of Fame player, in my no, opinion. No, but Jack Morris is. Yes, he is. I shouldn't have used him. But uh, Alan Trammell's not, he's a fantastic player. He's not a Hall of Famer. Tim Raines. Oh, even better. Although right. Tim Raines comparable to Ricky Henderson. Comparable. Poor man's Ricky Henderson. Yes. But, but Alan, Alan Trammell's the guy. That's, you Alan know, Trammell's the great example. Because in another year, Mike Piazza, Roger Clemens, and Barry Bonds would be this class. And you'd have an unbelievable class going in. Right. You know? Remember, and, you, you, and, I, and Bagwell would have been in last year. I mean, do you remember talking about the six years ago when they both retired and we said, wow, Piazza and Clemens are going to go in the same class? Yep. Like, after everything that happened yep. with them in their careers, it's they like, could wow. Be sitting, they could be sitting up on the stage together. They could be inducted into the Hall of Fame together. Right. And now they may not... I just hate that Piazza's. I I just I really do. I can I can understand why people would like he to put him in that. About as a user, Bry. That's he wrong. Well, that's in it. the same sentence as Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens. That's wrong. If you want to have your if you want to have your your thoughts and your speculation about him, 
it's fine. But he, you, you cannot put him in the same category as guys that are confirmed users. Right, you can't. Guys have perjured that, themselves in court. Right. right. That's, I, I'm sorry. You just, you, you, you know, I know we're Met fans and we have a soft spot for Mike Piazza, but that's the truth. That's the truth. You know, the, the truth of the matter is, uh, it, it's, it's ridiculous that he. And same thing for Bagwell. Same thing for Biggio. You know, well, Biggio's another one. Biggio a Hall of Famer? To me, yes. You think? Did it at three positions, 3,000 hits, double. Look at his doubles on championship teams, a captain of a team, played his entire career with one team. Was he one of the best 20 baseball players in baseball for 10 years? Absolutely. He's a guy that the advanced metrics actually help. I think because he played catcher, center field, and well, second. Yeah, he was an all-star at all three positions. Right. No, I think he's. I think Biggio's. Is he a first ballot? No. Maybe he, not. He may be, though. Based on, based on what's going on. He may get in with Bagwell. But, how, but, how, but Biggio's from that era? Just because he didn't, home run, didn't hit home runs means he never did PEDs? Again, that's, that's where you can't draw the line. How could you possibly draw the line? Oh, it's going to be okay for Derek Jeter to get in on his first ballot? Well, why? It's because not. Mike Piazza hit home runs? Please. It's ridiculous. All right, enough. I'm ending it. I'm doing it. We are coming in at 215 if it kills me. I didn't get my NFL points. What was your NFL point? I wanted to get your thoughts on the, on the votes that are so controversial. The MVP... The Rookie of the Year. Ooh. Comeback Player of the Year. When is that voted on? I don't know, but I'm just curious. AP's the MVP. Not Peyton Manning? No. There was a guy on ESPN, I can't remember who it was, ESPN Radio, made a great point about AP doing this in an era where running backs just don't do this anymore. Okay. And having this. And Manning is is amazing, but Manning is a quarterback and a quarterback-driven beat. And who's the Rookie of the Year? Luck. Russell Wilson. Griffin. Wilson. Who should win it or who's going to win it? Alfred Morris. I think RG3 wins it, but I would vote for Russell Wilson. Wow. Okay. How about you? <laughs> I still like Andrew Luck. Yeah. I, you, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those three guys. I really and, and Alfred Morris is in the conversation now, yeah. too, with 1,700 yards. Right, but he won't. It's one oh, of the I know, I know, but... No, you're right. Fascinating. Um, and AP for MVP? I like Peyton Manning. Really? Yeah, I do. Wow. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think... I don't, actually, I would give them both. You would give... Co-it up. Co-MVPs. And co-comeback players of the year. Give them both. Yeah, give them both, both awards. Right. Yeah, he could do that. Why not? See, I give, I give AP the MVP. I give Manning the comeback player of the year award. You're not wrong. Yeah. It's just fascinating how close you they are. can't go wrong. Wait. Let me get your final unload there. My final unload is, hey, baseball writers, <laughs> just because you got a Hall of Fame vote, it doesn't mean you're a better person. That should calm down a little bit. You told them. I'm going to have to replay the final music. I'm doing it. Okay. I'm sorry. I just wanted to get the NFL stuff. No, no, no. I, I, I love doing it. I love doing it. We, still, we don't talk about awards on this show unless it's R.A. Dickey. 
<laughs> and my final unload is uh, we lost a couple of actors there while we were away. Same day. Including Jack Klugman and Charles Durning. Two really, really, really good actors. But uh, I remember specifically about Jack Klugman playing Oscar Madison and always wearing that Met hat. And that was a point of pride for a uh, five or six year old. If the odd couple happened to be on and I would see the Met hat, I was kind of like that Oscar Madison because of that. He was also in uh, 12 Angry Men, the original teleplay by Reginald Rose, Jack Klugman, and he was remarkable. One word, Klugman. Uh, okay, that's all, that's all the time we're taking. Again, uh, thanks to Scott Simon from GangreenNation.com. And uh, Brian, I'll talk to you next week, buddy. Yes, have a good week, everyone. You're the best. You're the best. The best, Jerry.